Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem Show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real life scenarios with real live people. Hi everybody, welcome to Coach Menachem Berenfeld's Sheer Let's Get Real. Shkoyach for coming and joining us this beautiful Sunday night as we're getting closer to Rosh Hashanah. And uh, tonight is Sheer 116. Rabbi Yossi, 116. Okay, just letting you know. Wow. Uh, we started every week thanking everybody for, uh, you know, posting it, promoting it on all the WhatsApp statuses. Yossi, did you see it on some statuses? Did you see it around? I see it. I've seen it. I got a lot of questions today about this. So yeah. we, we, get, we get a lot of, uh, you know, the Sheer girls because people post it and they email to the family members. So girls, we always thank you to the people that are promoting it, email it to the family members. Like I say, not every topic might be for, for everybody, but uh, you never know who it's for and everybody should post it and let know. But uh, I think tonight we get most people, so uh, it should be very schmack and interesting. Again, if anybody wants to join um, to get the WhatsApp flyer, just WhatsApp me at 848-525-0066 and say my number. And every week I'll send you something I want to fire personally to you. If you want, you can go to menachembarenfell.com and sign up. He sends you an email with the, the shiurim and, the, and the, the, the replays of everything and go there as well. All the people that are watching this later on YouTube, you can click on the subscribe button and click on the like button. So Menachem, and he's laughing at Yossi. Okay. okay. Can I just make a disclaimer before we continue? Because I have to make a disclaimer. Me and Yossi spoke because I just came back and he had a long day. I had a long day. Tonight, we're going to have a good time. That's the bottom line, right? Forget about what the topic says on the flyer. Here's That's the matter. We're here tonight to have a good time. So whatever the flyer says is not negay anymore. Thank you for joining. We're going to have a good time tonight. Okay. Uh -huh. All of our advertising sponsors, the Lakewood Scoop for promoting here at Lakewood, Robin Yaniv Chazak for promoting us on the Chazak channels. I know Yossi is a big Chazak guy. Ellie and Ariel from Five Town Central and Kyla Kalf from Shmuel Summer from JCN, the Jewish Content Network for always promoting us on all the digital Jewish platforms. Again, if anybody's here the first time, every Sunday night at 9.30, we have a shear, we have Rabonim, we have therapists, we have it all. We're going to have it all. We have tremendous programs coming up. I'll speak about it in a second. And uh, please join us. Every, everybody's welcomed. I said the first, 20, the, first, the first million members are free. And afterwards, we start charging. So we're reaching there. So copper Ryan while you still could. Um, next Sunday is going to be the last year before Shoshana, because Shoshana is the following week, Sunday night. So next Sunday, September 18th, in Hashem, we're going to have, I don't know who knows him, who doesn't know him, but in Lakewood, everybody knows him. He's very one of the biggest rabbis in Lakewood today. Um, his name is Reb Uri Deutsch. He's a rabbi of Forest Park. And he's one of the big, biggest good in here in Lakewood. And uh, he's a tremendous, tremendous speaker. And he was like that he would agree to come on before Shoshana. His topic is how to prepare yourself for Shoshana, focusing on your relationship with Hashem. So I think that's relevant to everybody. Um, so please tell, come and join and be part of it. It should be an amazing getting ready for Shoshana. And then we have a very, very special program for Erev Yom Kippur. Mixed with Kesha Nafshi, a whole story, a whole thing. Rabbi Yossi, it's going to be a, a, it's all, all the Pratam and Nafshi worked out, but it's going to be Moshe Weinberger, Shalom Lechendal, Brussels. It's a whole matzah. So that's going to be big also, but I don't want to announce all the details because there's going to be more details to come. But hopefully we'll see everybody again next week. Tonight again, we have the Schuss honor of having the world famous motivational speaker an expert who deals with children in today's world. He's, he's, he's in it. He's in it to win it, but he's in it. So he's with us tonight. He was here once before. Like I said, if you come back a second time, the says, once you say it, you can't come back. So if you're coming back, it means you must be really, really good. So just oh. that's, a, that's, already, that's already a temple. So tonight's going to be amazing. I, I feel it. And uh, please, let's stay with it. We'll get to Rabbi Yossi in a minute. Tonight's share is 116. So we started doing gematrias for the shirim. 116 is the gematria. Only with good and kindness 
we'll be able to give over to our children what we need to be mechanic them. So Rabbi Yossi, as we go through the year, we'll see if the, the gematria hits it on the nail on the hammer. Right. Okay, I'm going to start first with Coach Menachem Bernfeld, who's going to give us the opening. He's going to open up tonight's segment. Coach Menachem. Okay, thank you very much. So yes, I would like to welcome everyone to share number 116, Baruch Hashem, with a lot of siyata d'shmaya. And thank you again for all the feedback. Always love to hear whatever it is, um, whatever's on your mind. Tonight, the topic called a call to action. You know, before Shoshana, we all need to take some action. And uh, tonight, we're going to be discussing more about our relationships, maybe not direct to Hashem, but the relationships with our kids. So we'll see what we can have, what kind of action to take to enhance the relationship. Anytime we talk about Chinuch, we've had many programs and, you know, many times people want to stick to one way and the way we grew up and continue it for many, many years. And once somebody says to make a little change, it's, it's hard for them to accept, to hear it, because at the end of the day, that was what kept us going all the years. So when you talk about change, it's a little bit tricky. But we do have to remember that every child is different. Every family is different and the dynamic could change. So even when we discuss small things to understand how to relate. So it could be a little bit of a challenge. And like I tell always the audience, just to listen and um, let's see what comes up. So many times because we grew up a certain way and when we see our children doing things different, it, we get triggered. Sometimes parents could lose it. Um, we, we're reactive. We get upset. And then uh, what it looks like for everyone is different. Sometimes just there's nothing to say anymore. They're not, they're not around to listen after a while. So it is important to understand what, what are we looking for and how are we going to get there. And if it doesn't work one way, we might have to figure out how to get there a different way. Many times we hear it from the kids. They, they claim that their parents don't understand them, whether they call it the parents are old school, they just don't get it. And the relationship that they have is just not, they don't feel they can just sit down and have an open discussion with the parents. And then there it goes. They do what, whatever works for them. And if the parents don't like it, what should they do? There's, there's no other option. So we, de- we do need to reevaluate. And Mr. Shem, that's what we're going to be doing tonight in Mr. Shem with Rabbi Yossi Ben Shushan. Thank you so much for coming to be able to reevaluate. Number one, what's going on? What does he see? And again, there's a, a, you know, a big a difference between people from different communities and uh, I guess, you know, who shows up by his door, but it's, it's important to reevaluate what's going on. What are we looking for and how to get there? If the things are working, then we'll continue. If not, we need to figure out what's missing to be able to connect and to get to our goal in Mitzvah So Mitzvah have a lot of siyat to the Shemaya and thank you very much for coming. Thank you so much. Thank you. Second, Yossi. Please. 
So uh, again, tonight's share is called a call to action, why we desperately need to change ourselves and our clinical approach for today's children. And um, basically, that's what we're going to talk about. Um, we're going to do the share first. Uh, you said you want to do it for somebody, Rabbi Yossi? Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, two things. Lulu uh, Nishmas, Tzadik Mendoza, and for Fur Shlema, Chedvalea Bat Saradina. Thank you. And we're also going to do the Fur Shlema, Menachem Mendel Ben Dvorlea, going through a lot of contributions of Fur Shlema. And then let it rip. Okay, Rabbi Yossi Ben Shushan has been teaching teenagers from all walks of life and all backgrounds for the past 15 years. With his laid-back attitude and trademark sense of humor, Rabbi Yossi has been giving over teaching of his Rabbeim, the world-famous Rabitzel Berkowitz, Rabosha Zelig Rubenstein. Rabbi Yossi lectures and counsels on issues involving teenagers and motivation. He runs a private counseling practice, co-founded the Second Chance in Native, which creates solutions to parentins and schools with struggling youths finding their way back. So Rabbi Yossi, it's supposed to have you back here again. And uh, the floor is yours. Okay, wow. That's a lot. That's a lot to follow up. Just, just you guys introducing. It's a lot to follow up. Um, so first of all, you know, you learn things right away. I learned things immediately. Number one, when Ravasha first started, we were at uh, we're at like uh, two ninety eight people, and I was like, I was like, the second I get introduced, I'm gonna saying I'm not starting until we hit three hundred. Then we hit three hundred, and Ravnachman started, and we were at three ninety eight, and I'm like, ah, I have another chance. And then both of you were on while we broke 400. So I, I have no intro anymore. That was that was where I was going with it. Um, for everyone who thinks I'm Ari, um, because of the glasses, I, uh, I I have a few people that just text messaged me, a few close friends that just text messaged me like, wow, glasses, you're getting old. I'm sorry, I have the wrong brother. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we were supposed to really, I don't mind saying, we were supposed to do both of us. Ari backed out, that, that's what happened. And, um, uh, no, this is uh, because it's going to come up tonight in, in the thing. This is uh, I, I normally wear lenses and this and that. And I've gotten an eye infection. So uh, so we're on the glasses, which is a big shout out to Yona Bauman, a good, very close friend of mine in Montreal who sent me glasses because I didn't actually own glasses. I only own lenses. And we're going to talk about that later. But as far as our topic goes, um, a call to action. I've been sitting for the past, um, Rav Asher said, it's been 15 years, it's been Blianara, that bio was written uh, quite a number of years ago when I was still in Eretz Yisrael, and I'm just too lazy to change it, and I really don't care, so it doesn't, but, but for the purpose of this, it's been, it's been quite a few more years than, than 15, and I, I, I turned to someone I'm very, very close with a little while, little while back about a couple of months ago and I, I also actually said this I was just this past summer with uh, in, in Arts Israel with Robert Berkowitz I said it to him also <clears throat> and I got the same answer from both people I said I, 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 I don't know I have anything more to add I think I've, I, I've said everything I know already and I, I don't know that there's more for me to say and the I'll get on the phone with somebody and I want to say something new. And Berkowitz specifically said, but this other person also said, they said they don't want to be named. But they also said to me, they're like, you're just being selfish. Berkowitz didn't say it like that, but you're just being selfish. You want to be interested in what you're saying. You want to be entertained by what you're saying. You want to keep interested. 
So a lot of people, they, they, they don't know that. They don't know that thing. So you're going to have to just keep repeating and keep repeating and keep repeating. What I've noticed over the past probably about two years is that we're staunch believers in trying to keep things a certain way. And the issue is, is that the world is changing and we're refusing to follow suit. We're refusing to change alongside it. Now, I'm not saying that we need to change who we are as Yidin, that, that, that should never change. As a matter of fact, I'm saying the exact opposite. We need to start remembering what it was to be a Yid. We forgot. We've totally forgotten. And I don't mean to speak this strong, like I know what I'm talking about, or like I don't suffer from this. But we forgot. Our community has become the new Rabbeinah Shalil. And I'm sorry to say it in such strong words, but that's really what it is. You say in Yeshaya, in the beginning of Yeshaya, it says that, that what we were doing wrong over there was we were, it's where, where the line comes from. We were paying lip service. We were just saying things. We were just davening. We were just learning. We were just saying things, but we weren't actually believing it. We've lost the basis of what Yidin really are, of what, where we come from. We are the most happiest simchadik nation out there. No one is happy. No one is supposed to be happier than a Yid. Elul, Rosh Hashanah, all these things became times that are very, very sad. If you go, go, go ask the average Jewish teenager right now certain questions. And it's depressing. Ask the average Jewish teenager, right? You're, you're a non-Jew. Walk up to the average Jewish teenager and ask them, I'm a non-Jew. What is this whole Sabbath? What's Shabbos? I'll tell you, oh, it's the day of rest. What is the day of rest? Oh, we don't drive in a car and we don't cook. Uh, we don't turn on lights. This is what Shabbos is to most people. It's a whole day of things I don't do. Zero about connection, zero about their abundance, zero about spending a day with Hashem, zero about any of that. What's the beauty of Shabbos? You want to know the beauty of Shabbos nowadays? I've heard this so many times and it boils me every time. You want to know what the beauty of Shabbos is? We get to disconnect from technology. That's how you see Shabbos is really beautiful. You get to disconnect from technology. That's what Shabbos is for us. This is where we are. And, and, and on a Tuesday when I choose to do that, so I, know I don't have to keep Shabbos. There's something so much bigger to who and what we are. And we become so afraid of the outside world because a little bit we think they're right. A little bit we started believing that the outside world has something we don't, can offer something that we don't, that we can't. So we started relying on community and society to dictate to us what it is to be a Jew. So uh, I'm not going to reiterate, but on, on, uh, I got a lot of mail off of this. But on, on Tisha B'Av, I was going on, I was specifically, I don't know why, but I was picking on Shadduchim. We decided we know when everyone's going to get married. We know. It's going to be, you know, she's going to get back from seminary and she has X amount of months. And if it doesn't happen, and then we it, it, it starts saying to him. Start saying to him, send people to Amuka, 40 days of doing, you know, as many things as we can, and maybe a, a group of, we know, we know better. 
And with our kids, with chinuch, we, we also, it, it, it goes by our society. I, I, I need to be mechanach my kids to keep up with the person next door to me, or at least what they're presenting. I need to have the things that they're presenting. Something I love uh, uh, always talking about in, in this regard, you know, the pictures of people, I've been corrected in this uh, many times at this point, but the pictures of uh, people with the, they have in their house, people, I, and I'm not saying anything against this. It, it's fine. If you have it, it's great. It's beautiful. I'm jealous. That's really what it is. I'm just, it's jealousy. But they have pictures in the house of their whole family, you know, dressed in white, standing on the shore, standing by like uh, on a sandy beach somewhere. And they're all dressed in white. And I'm always looking at these pictures in people's houses. And I'm always constantly like, how in the world did they pull this off? If I went to the beach with all my kids and they were all wearing white shirts and white shorts, and they, they would be covered in what my, one of my kids' face would be just in the sand. The other one would be swimming in that attire. Like, we, I would never be able to keep them all together like that. It would be mayhem. Someone emailed me and was like, no, that's not how you do it. When you, just walking from the parking lot for me would be, everything would go, everything would go south. They're like, that's not how you do it. When you get them to the shoreline, you change them. So you bring them in regular clothing, then you get them changed into this white stuff. I'm like, I don't know if that's more or less abusive. I have no idea, but it's all a lot for me to handle. And we have to have this picture up there. We have, we have these things to keep up with. None of this doesn't say anywhere in Shulchan Aruch. Now my son has to go to Mincha in his hat and jacket. It doesn't say it anywhere. I'm not saying anything against that. I'm just saying, where are we picking and choosing our fights? Where is it coming from? And this is the point where we're going to start with of what has to change in me and then how does that affect my chinuch? I told people, going to chinuch classes, learning chinuch from Rabbi Berkowitz, uh, my wife went to a, uh, a woman in Israel, Rabbi Ben Spetner, and when we were living over there uh, for chinuch, and I said, one of the greatest growths I had as a person, as, 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 as an individual, was learning about chinuch not because of how it made me a better parent, but how it made me understand certain things about life and myself. That, there, that there's a concept of, of just picking a, a concept out of a hat of, of the 80-20 rule, that 80% positive, 20% negative, to allow certain things in your life to understand that I mess up, that I'm working on things. As long as 80% of my life is working, is, is working well, I, I can allow space for that other 20%. And I don't have to be embarrassed of it. I can speak about it to people. It's when we're constantly trying to present as perfect all over the place. This is where fights come in. We don't get to communicate properly. We're not talking with people. We're talking at them about how well we're doing and how well things are going. And, and we always have to win a conversation. It has gotten to a crazy point where if someone's telling me how well they're doing, I'm going to tell them how well I'm doing. And if someone's telling me how much they're suffering, I'm going to beat them there too. You think that's bad? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a story how I'm, but no, you know, I get through. I'm patting myself on the back. I get through. You ask the average person, how are you doing? I can't complain. I would love to, but I can't complain. 
eh, what do you want? There's nothing there for me to, to pick on. We are a nation of people with the Amma Nivchar. We are a nation that has it. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. And we have to stop presenting as perfect. We have to start presenting as interested. As looking around and being interested in everything that's around us. In different ideas and different people. We're so afraid. I'm going to end with this idea. Someone um, uh, said to me, you know, we can't, uh, we can't go to, li- I, I don't take my kids to the library anymore. So I'm not pro or against whatever you believe. But th- clearly this person was taking their children to the library, you know, a week before that. They said, I don't go to the library anymore. I said, why? They said, there was a certain book that was discussing certain ideas that are in our ideas. I don't care. I'm going to say it. You know, Russia, I'm not going kick me off after this one that's fine it was a it was a it was a kid's story book and i'm not pro it but there was a kid's story book about a kid that has two dads okay fine right i know and and i said and they said they were like they were like that's it i'm never going again I said you just missed such a great opportunity because i see his kid walked up to him with the book I said you just missed a great opportunity you could have spoken to your kid about that could have had a conversation we're not afraid of conversations. And this is one of the first things we need to understand. If we're going to change who we are, we're going to change our chinuch, we can't be afraid of having conversations. We can't be afraid of how things look or how things sound. We have to start being real. We've become so fake. We've become so far along on fake. We don't know what anything is anymore. We don't know what a family looks like anymore. We don't know what shul looks like anymore. We don't know what a davening looks like anymore. We don't know what a Rosh Hashanah looks like anymore. Someone said to me last week, they said, I'm not all into this new age Hashem loves you stuff. I said, I don't think it's new age. He said, no, it is. Back in my day, they used to tell us, Fire and brimstone, you're going to go to hell if you're da 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 da. And they're going to. I said, you know, I think back in your days, that was the Chiddush. Because it was such a given that the Rabbanu Shalom loves you. It was such a given that Hashem loves you and just wants to be close to you and wants to grow with you. That was such a given back in the day. Nowadays, that's a Chiddush. So so we have to go back the other way and just remind people of the basis of what we believe in. Hashem didn't take us out of Mitzrayim so that we're 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 living in this depression. That's not an oppression. That's not what he took us out for. He took us out because he loves us. That's not why he chose us. He chose us because he thinks we're amazing. And it's not because he thinks that the ones of us that stood by Harsinai were amazing. It's because he thinks we're amazing. The people who are alive right here, right now. Nothing has changed from then till now. Hashem didn't not know what he was doing when we were born all of a sudden. It wasn't our parents' generation were awesome. Europe was amazing. And then when we were all born, that's where everything went down in a handcart. That's not what happened. He was just as much in control of all of that and the societies that we grew up in and the technology that was around us, he was just as much in charge of that as he was about everything else. This is the world that the Rabbani Shalom had intended. 
we might be the nation, we might be the um, we might be the generation that brings Mashiach. We have to start acting like that again. That we have a connection to the Rabbi Shalom. That we actually believe he knows what he's doing. Even when that girl's not engaged yet. Even when that kid isn't going to show in his hat. Even when I can't put my, pull my family together for a, a, a perfect picture. Even when I don't have enough money. Even when I don't have enough time to learn. Even when I don't have enough whatever. Even then, the Rabbi Shalom still is watching out for me. The call to action is that we all need to remember and realize we're not the lost sheep. We're all an integral part of the Amma Nivchar, and we need to start making a very, very, very big difference in this world. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna really get to the bottom of that, okay? Is it okay? I'm ready. Thanks, here. Thanks for being here. And uh, Rabbi Yossi wants to answer the questions, we want to clarify the, the concepts we're putting out there. So please feel free to ask anything and everything. We're going to start off with a poll. We're going to get a little feeling from the crowd, and then we're going to jump right into it, okay? Here we go. Two questions. Everybody answer. Um, everybody answer, you know, and let's see what everybody has to say. How do you feel the connection and openness is with your children? Three choices. We discuss everything openly on the table, even the books in the library. Number two, some topics we discuss with guidance that apply to them only. So something's negated to the children with guidance, we discuss it with them. Or number three, we barely talk anything with substance, more technical. Get up, go to sleep, wash your face, more that type. It's just, it just it's not what you want to do, it's what you're doing. So be honest with that. And the second question is, how do you educate your children when an issue arises? Four choices. I talk to him strongly the way it should be. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. Option number two, I schmooze and in the conversation, try to give some concepts like you gently try to, you know, have a conversation. Number three, we have an open discussion back and forth and hear him out and try to have an open dialogue. Number four, it's the best answer. I leave it to my spouse to take care of it. And then in brackets, my spouse does the same. <laughs> Choose number four because that's probably the answer. Okay, those are the two questions. Let's I want to know. I want to know how many people are being honest right now. <laughs> okay, we're gonna share it. So two more seconds. Votes. Two seconds. One second. We're taking a commercial break. Put on the Coke commercial. Benazo. Excuse me. Okay, everybody. Here we go. Okay, so the first question. How do you feel the connection and openness is with your children? 34% of people said we discuss everything on the table. A whopping 52%. Some, some topics we discuss with guidance that apply to them only. And 14%, we barely talk anything with substance more technicals. Most people here are saying that they talk things that are negative for the children with guidance. Okay? Yossi, if you have any comment, you can jump in. We'll go to the second. Yeah. 
No, no. So far, uh, you know, so far, uh, so far, I love it. A, a guidance is uh, is fantastic. I remember um, a number of years ago, I went, I uh, was speaking to my Rebbe, and I said to him that I was going to a, uh, my, my oldest, um, I think I only had one kid at that point, and I was going to someone, a very big chinuch professional, someone who's very, very, very uh, knowledgeable on uh, raising children. I said, I was asking him a question. Amarebi, I'll never forget. Amarebi said to me, he goes, he's great. That person is amazing. And you should ask him. Well, realize if you disagree with him, you don't have to listen. So I said, he's, he's an Adam Gadol. He's, he's like, yeah. He's like, but he's not your kid's father. You are. So we always ask our kind of questions. No question. And, and we always, especially if we feel lost, we should always ask. There's no question. But realize the Rabbani Shalom, if I, you know, if I was given your child, to raise, I, I would mess it up. If the biggest kind of professional out there was giving your child to raise, we'd probably mess it up. It, it, it doesn't matter. You were chosen by God to raise this kid. You have more of an insight and intuition into how to do it. As long, the caveat, big, big asterisk caveat to this, as long as you're putting your ego aside to do it. As long as you can honestly say, I'm acting in the best interest of this child, not the future of this child, but the present of this child, I'm acting in their best interest. So I'm not trying to prevent them from being spoiled, from being this or being that, or I was raised differently or this and that, but that I believe this is really what's best for this child right now. No one knows, no one knows the world like they know their own kid, you know? So um, uh, I, I, I love that 52% is some topics we discuss with guidance and apply to them only. But the one side point here is, is that, you know, especially if we have a kid who's acting out, it should be explained to the other children, not open, not, not in, uh, you know, with everyone together, but especially if the other kids ask about it, it should be brought up to them. Uh, what's going on with that kid? Not necessarily in detail, but the concepts should be brought up to them so that they understand. Uh, it, it, it prevents them learning the same behavior and the like when they understand that that kid is just, you know, acting out because they're upset or they're angry or they're this or they're that. They understand that and they're able to uh, to grow from that a lot a lot easier. Whereas if we try to hide the kid who's struggling, um, they tend to want to emulate that because they see it as attention. They don't see it as uh, as embarrassment. Yes, let's read the second answer. How do you educate your children when an issue arises? 10% of the people say, I tell them strongly the way it should be. 29% of the people say, I schmooze and in conversation, we try to give some concepts. 54% of the people, we have an open discussion back and forth and hear them out and try to have an open dialogue. 7% of the people say, I leave it to my spouse to take care of it and my, and my spouse does the same. Right. Uh, right. So um, I, I, again, I'm happy 54% are, are doing that. I will, I will, again, you know, uh, uh, have a caveat. Uh, it, I think, not I think, I believe very strongly that a major part of, of it, and it's not just chenach, guys, it, it's relationship in general, any relationship. A major part of a relationship is not what you're doing in crisis mo moments. It's not what you're doing when something needs to be discussed. That's not the biggest part of a relationship. The biggest part of relationship is when none of that's going on. What are you doing? Is everything else they're saying so important to you also? Now, it can't be everything, but are you as interested in 
the crazy thing, you know, one of my kids, I love him to death, but his stories could go on for a while. Like it can take a while to listen to the whole story. And a lot of times the story goes off into places that are just interesting. So though, when I'm listening to him, the reason I'm going to try my hardest to stay till the end of that story is, is that if I'm showing an interest in that, the odds on him bringing up things that are very serious to me are, are just as high. So if he's able to, I like to tell parents, I like to tell myself this all the time, relationships are built on silliness. So what that looks like is, um, is what I tell people to date their kids. But what that means is, is that if uh, you have a guy and a girl go out on a first date, right? Boy and a girl go out on a first date. They come back from the first date, they call up the Shachan. The girl calls up the Shachan and says, I'm never going out with that guy again. He's, a, he's insane. And Shachan's like, whoa, you know, what happened? And she goes, well, uh, he proposed. So never going out with that guy again. He's crazy. And the Shachan's like, wait, I'm sorry, he did what? And she said, yeah, he proposed. She's like, it's the first date. She's like, I know, I was there. <laughs> and the crazy guy, he just, he, he, uh, he proposed. So she's like, well, I, I have to find out what, what the story is here. She calls up the, uh, calls up the guy and says, uh, how was the date? And he's like, it was fantastic. I'm going to marry her. And she's like, maybe not. Um, what, did you propose? And he's like, yeah. She's like, why would you propose on the first date? And he goes, well, what do you mean? It was, uh, you know, that's what we were going out for. See if we're going to get married. So uh, I'm ready to get married. I proposed. She's like, that is highly inappropriate. She's like, why not? She's like, you don't know her. He's like, well, I, I, I got everything I needed to know. You know, she's a pretty girl. And, you know, our person, I enjoyed a conversation. She laughed at one of my jokes. <laughs> I'm good to go. You know, it's nothing to, a lot of guys out there right now are thinking to themselves, they're like, the guy's got a point. <laughs> I could have proposed on the first date, I think. It's a, so what, very inappropriate for him to sit there thinking that he can he can propose on a first date, like he knows her now. Or, but we do this to our kids all the time. We don't listen. We don't know what's going on. We have no idea what's that. But we propose. We walk in and we're like, tell me what's going on. What's happening right now? What's happening? What's this? What's that? To most of our children, you know what you know what their conversations with us are like a lot of times? Imagine your in-laws. If you're a woman, imagine your mother-in-law. If you're a guy, imagine your father-in-law calls you up. Now, I'm sure everybody has beautiful relationships with their in-laws. If my mother-in-law called me up and said this, it would be completely normal and fine. I'm just saying, we can all be putting ourselves into this imaginary state and saying that if our in-laws called us and said to us, Hey, um, randomly, hey, um, I'd like to get together with you this week for coffee, uh, just, to, just to talk. You'd be like, okay, and it's a Sunday night, they're calling you. You're like, okay, when? You're like, how about Thursday? Like, how about right now? How about right now you tell me what's going on? Because there's no way you just want to enjoy the company of my conversation. It's not, it's not. It, that's not what's happening right now. So what's up? You're, you're, you're really worrying me. I'm really nervous. What's going on? That is most of the conversations we have with our kids. Why? Because, because there's an agenda there for sure. If they want to have a conversation with me, 
Think about it. Think about the last time you called. You said, my she, come in here. What? It wasn't, it wasn't because you wanted them to walk in and you said, here's a hot cocoa. How was your day? And you're like, uh, it was fine. Oh yeah, man, I just, what's up? How are you doing? I just haven't, haven't heard from you in a while. I want to know what's up. What's going on? Be like, all the kid's going to be thinking to himself is, what did, I, what, what did I do wrong? I don't remember anything that happened. What do I have to lie about right now? That's most of the relationships. And it's only that because when they do come in, when they do come running in, they're like, you're not going to believe what happened. Down the block, there's a, there's a blue tractor and it drove. And you're like, okay. And you're like, all the way down the block it drove. And then there was a fire engine and it was following my school bus home. And you're like, okay, that's fantastic. Just eat something. Okay. Do you have homework? We got to get this thing done because don't eat on the couch. Like it's, it's just going to go from that's most of our interactions with them. So, so why would these open conversations be happening easily? They wouldn't be as opposed to if we're, if we're taking out the time to be able to have real conversations taking the time to get to know them. They are individuals. We don't get to mold kids. So I love this word from Hanukkah, that Haneris Alalu, Hanukkah is chinuch, right? We're getting to Rosh Hashanah right now. I don't know why I'm talking about Hanukkah, but Hanukkah is chinuch. Haneris Alalu, Kadesh My wife told me this word. I've loved it ever since then. My wife told it to me from Rabbanit Yumim and Mizrahi. Haneris Alalu, Kadesh Haim, Enelin Rishutlish, Tamesh Baham, Elorotam Belvad. The Nerot are, don't let our children. They're kadosh. They're holy. We have no right to mess around with them. We're there to watch them. Our children are there to grow, to become something amazing. We're not there to try to knock them into the right mold for that. We're just there to build them up and support them as they're becoming that. They are naturally becoming amazing. The Rabbani Shalom put them here to do that. Our jobs is to just keep on building them, communicating with them, having conversations with them so that they can become that. So if these conversations are happening, that's great. If they're happening and the dialogue is flowing, you're doing something great. If the dialogue isn't flowing, then you have to start from that first step of being interested in stupidity being interested in silliness. If you want good divrei to be showing up to your Shabbos table, allow them to talk about something dumb that happened that week. Real good relationships start with silliness. Because that guy in the first example that we gave that proposed to that girl on the first date, when he asked the shotgun, well, what am I supposed to do on a first date? They say to him, nothing, you do nothing. You just sit there and you have silly conversation about nothing. That's all you do, just to see if you get along. And on the second date, you go to an arcade and do further nothingness and further nothing, nothingness and further until it builds into something real. It's the same thing with our children. It's not nothing to them. That, those moments that we're looking at them and we're listening to what they have to say, it means the world to them. It means everything. And it makes them trust us. And it makes them know that we're interested in them. It makes them know that we realize how amazing they are and how, how incredible they can be. So when they're struggling with something, we're also the address they want to go to. Okay, beautiful, Rav Yossi. Let's get into it.
Okay. Um, if anybody again wants to ask a question, live questions go first. Please text Usher Parnas over here on chat. We have a bunch of questions we're gonna get to. A lot of questions come in. Rabbi Yossi, you ready to get you ready to get into it? Can we knock you around yeah. a little? Yeah. Okay. Let's start off first with a live question. You're on. Hi. My my question my question is as follows. So I heard I'm hearing your mahalach of like I heard a lot of your stuff about the newer approach to chinuch. So I happen to have gone to yeshivas who do have that approach, and like those types of things. They didn't put you in tamul. Then you did things because you connected to them. And I want to ask you just like one thing is that it was very we're very a lot of my friends we had this like little issue that we let's say faced after that was that let's say we we had like a lot of our, our we were very authentic and like the question is how can we teach chinuch in the way that to be like authentic and yourself. And then like we found that we were trying to later on go to different shivas and like different communities. And we we're just like not like liking the whole vibe because there was like a lot of like inauthenticness. The question is how can we teach these things in a way to, that will still like allow a person to, to like not have to like feel like, oh, like I'm just this like person. Like, like what was all this authenticness for? Like now I'm in this community that's just like, you know, random or like, or like inauthentic and all these types of things. How, like my question is in that way. Can I can I clarify? Maybe tell me if this is what you're saying. It's basically when once you got into the reality of realness and let's say like you know connecting and Hashem, then you go back into the regular basic communal type communal type of living. How do you continue with that, and how do you teach that to your kids when they're living in the communal type? Of beautiful. Community? Okay, it's a beautiful point. Yeah, that's what I thought I was saying. Also, say I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, was asking a question, but. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's a beautiful question. It's a very, very important point. I think we rely on our communities entirely too much as opposed to, as opposed to relying on being a community. So what that means is, is that um, we, we have to find where it is that I service my community. What is it that I am giving towards my community? And it, what that means is, is that we can get so lost, especially if you're talking about a larger Jewish community, you can get so lost in that community and your children could get so lost and be just a number in, in that community. We, it, it, everything, no matter really, no matter what the question is gonna be in this sense, it's always gonna come back to the same place. You and your Daladamas. If you within your Daladamas are being authentic, look around your life and see what it is that's worrying you and why. How much of what, and I'm talking to myself also, how much of what worries us and what, 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 what plagues us is how it's going to look to the outside and how much of it is what I really care about, that I really mind, that I really struggle with for me, that I'm not gonna be able to sleep at night because of. Not because of how it looks, but because within me, there's a conflict of it. If I'm starting and my, 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 my premise, my starting point is I'm going to be authentic and I'm going to teach that over to my children. My children are sort of, they sort of become bulletproof to the outside in a lot of ways. I grew up in many different situations. I don't want to go into... Uh, too many things, not because I care of divulging anything personal. I'm this is a private, yeah. This is a private, uh, what do you call it? I just don't want anyone from my elementary school calling me and being like, Whoa, blah, blah, blah. I'm just saying that I, I, I grew up in many different types of and and when I say over the stories, something like that to my wife or to it, she's like, How in the world did you get through that? 
the reason was is that my 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 mother I, I've said this a few times my mother would lie to us all the time she would come back from PTAs all the time and be like um first of all my father would just come home and be like I just <laughs> whatever my mother would come and she'd be like first of all you need to know your teachers and Rebeam are obsessed with you they think you are the funniest guy ever they love your jokes maybe you don't have to say so many of them in class but they love your jokes and they think that you're smart and they think that you're funny and they think that you're so personable and you're so popular she would give us this whole run through i'm sure she would say some negative at the end we would never listen to it and i i said this once and one of my brothers were there when i said my mother would lie to us all the time and my brother said, Yassi, mommy, you're wrong. She never lied to us. Sitting in that meeting, sorry, I get emotional. She said, sitting in that meeting with that teacher, that's all mommy heard. That's what she heard. She wasn't lying. She came home and told you exactly what she heard. If that's what the teacher said or not, it's a whole different story. But that's all she was able to hear because that's what she believed. And I knew that, we, we knew. So going out into the world, you were bulletproof because of where it started from was so strong, was so real that, that you couldn't believe anyone who told you you weren't funny, who told you you weren't smart. You, you just didn't believe them. You're like, there's something wrong with you <laughs> because it, this is this I know for a fact. I'm funny and smart. That I know for a fact. But when you think back to why do I know that for a fact? Because it was all my mother would tell us. She would laugh so hard at my jokes. Whether they were funny or not, I have no idea. There was no way at seven I was that funny. There's no way. As a matter of fact, I think she used to laugh at my jokes more back then than she does now. The point is, is that when we bring that into our home and we start there, we stop relying on a community or a neighborhood or a shul or a school to do that for us. We have to be, be the ones that bring that to our homes. Chinuch is an active pursuit. It is not passive. It doesn't happen through osmosis. It happens through active planning of sitting with our children, of enjoying their presence, of smiling as much as possible around them, of being besimcha around them and calm around them as much as possible and not allowing the outside to freak us out. So in answer to that, it starts in your home. Let everyone learn from you. You feel like your, your community or whatever it is, is being less authentic, is being less, let them learn from you. Beautiful, Rabbi Yossi. Okay, next live question, you're on. Thank you, Rabbi Yossi. My question is, how do we give over to our children that sense of Hashem loving them when they see so much pain and hardship around, um, especially to a child that experienced um, trauma or abuse firsthand 
Hmm. Okay, that's a hard one. That, that that is. I'm happy you brought it up. Um. So let let's let's just understand uh certain uh important uh basics to that. Um. Number one, we, 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 let's deal with before the the trauma and abuse one. How do we do that for children in general? If we're <clears throat> if we're constantly and it's the same way we do it for ourselves. If we're constantly in a state of gratitude as much as possible. Um. So it, it goes to that rule I, I mentioned before, I don't know why it's coming up so much, but I mentioned before uh, the 80-20 rule, which uh, is that if I'm constantly saying, wow, Hashem, you did this, Hashem, you did this, Hashem, you did that, you, you must be obsessed with me that you keep sending all this awesomeness into my life. Then it's not just me throwing up my hands and saying, Ay, vey, Hashem, why, 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 when everything goes wrong. If all they see is us saying, why, 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 when everything goes wrong, then, then that's what they know Hashem as. If they see us constantly speaking to Hashem when things are going right, they're going to know that also. And it has to, has to balance it out. As far as uh, going to a place where a child has experienced, you know, horrible trauma and horrible... One of my Rebbeim uh, one time told me that the relationship a child has with their Hashem is the relationship they had with their parents. And there's a lot of truth to it. If we, we see, I see now, I, I unfortunately have to work with mainly with, with the other side. I know there's a, at least just because of my text messages, I know there's at least two therapists that I know that are on, uh, that are on right now. And I know they'll, they'll agree with this. We're, they'll say that when, when someone comes to me, and says that this and X, Y, and Z, whatever it was, happened when I was eight. And right now I've developed this, that, and the other trauma, all these, I'm saying traumatic acting out and all these other things because of it. The most recent studies, and we don't even need them, logically we can use on this, but the most recent studies have showed us the event that happened to this child when they were six is not what has caused trauma. If a child at that age, at any age, and an adult, same, by the way, it doesn't matter uh, the age, well, it does, but let's just say for the sake of argument of this conversation, it doesn't matter the age. If they experience a trauma or a traumatic event, what causes the trauma is not necessarily the event because they have kids who went through something very, very difficult, let's say, immediately, spoke about it, had dialogue, were open about it, got help, were able to speak to people. Not only do these children not develop severe trauma, they actually thrive. They do incredible in life. What builds that trauma? It's the, it's the time that happens in between the event, in between the event and later, whatever later is. But in that amount of time, and it could be years and years and years, shame, silence, and the like starts to fester, and that builds the trauma. And then that trauma needs to be acted out, and that trauma needs to go through many different uh, 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 phases and, and, and the like before it can get help. But that's what builds it. It's all of that silence and shame, the ability not to speak the ability to be shamed about it, the ability to keep it inside, the ability to, the, the, the secrecy, all of that is what builds all of that negative time and energy. And 
when a child is able and feels comfortable, and this is why this concept is so important of building relationships and dialogues with our children. Because if, God forbid, something does happen, we're able to actually do something about it as opposed to have it come out years later as this deep, deep, deep-seated emotional break in the child, having to feed the, the, the inner child then and so on and so forth. It, it can all be prevented by honest, open communication. Having someone explain to their child as often as possible Hashem gave us this, Hashem gave us that. Look how beautiful this is. Thank you, Hashem. You, you know what? You know how far this line on a Friday night at a table goes? I heard it one time someone say it, and I started crying. I'm not even the guy's kid, and I started crying. He looked around and he said, Hashem, thank you so much for these kids. I I I don't know what I did to deserve these kids, but thank you so much. They're, they're, they're so beautiful and smart and funny. I, thank you, Hashem, for these children. The, you know what that does into a child's mind? I, and I want to be clear here. I'm not trying to indoctrinate children. I'm trying to give them over what it is that we really do believe in, what it is that we're alive about, is this concept. That if I have something... It's because Hashem was sending me a message. I love you, no matter what it was. To end this one, I I, uh, I was walking. We're going to do a backyard confession about this one one week. I was walking through the forest over here. I sometimes go walking in the forest. I was walking in the forest over here. And right now at this time in Cleveland, there is this, um, this phenomenon that happens where acorns are flying off of trees. And acorns have these like points at the bottom of them. And if you get caught under... A, I don't know, I, I, I never, I grew up in New York and I spent a lot of time in New Jersey. I never met acorns before I, I moved to Ohio. So I don't know if this maybe happens by you guys also. Maybe I just don't remember when I was a kid, but these acorns are like the size of like plums. They're like these huge things and they come flying off of trees. If you get caught with one of them, you could get bruised. I mean, these things are, they hurt. And I remember walking and Every time I was walking through this, I can freak myself out when you're walking alone in a forest. You're like, is someone, someone walking behind me? Is that a sound? Is that a... And I'm walking alone in this forest and these acorns keep getting thrown at me. And I'm like, okay, at this point, I think someone's just playing a game. Like someone I know saw me walk in here and is just throwing acorns at me from somewhere. And I realized like, it's really a, a, a sign. Uh, um, it's a great muscle for Hashem in our lives. Hashem keeps throwing things next to us. And we can either be like, whoa, I hope I don't get hit by one of these acorns. Or I can realize that I had this preconceived deal with Hashem that whenever he wants to say I love you, he's going to throw one of these things next to me. And every time an acorn fell over there, after I had that little little epiphany, every time an acorn fell, I found myself, I just kept, I kept smiling. I'm like, oh, I love you too. Oh, I love you too. Anything can bring us to a point that we say, oh, look, an acorn fell. I think that means Hashem loves me. I think it's Hashem saying, hey, I'm here with you. We could use anything to show that. And when we do, when we do, our children start to develop that also. So it doesn't really matter what they go through. It doesn't have to end in a place 
of, of trauma and foregone all these things, it, it can be an opportunity. And that's really the one point I really wanted to make tonight. We have to stop viewing everything as an obstacle and start understanding all these things as opportunities. When our child comes home and says, I saw or I heard this and that, we're like, oh no, how am I gonna handle this? You're gonna handle it by having a conversation with them. It doesn't mean you know the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. It means you're gonna ask this kid, how did that make you feel? What did you think when you heard that? Isn't it interesting? That is, that's really weird. I know, I don't know, what do you think about it? They're not expecting you to have the answers to everything. They're expecting you to love them through everything though. And when we don't do that, that's when they start questioning things. When we don't have an answer, that's okay. We don't say, I don't know too often, but that's okay. Let me try to remember is a little bit better, but that, that's okay. But to say that, well, we don't do that. Don't, don't ever say that in this house again. That's an I don't love you when you do that. And that's a problem. Um, before, before we continue, I'm just wondering, many people have a hard time. Um, haven't grown up with, the, with this concept. So logically, they understand it. And it has been many years where the only thing they spoke about was the negative and the things that they have to take care of. So... Tonight is a little bit of call to action. What would be that first step to help the parents? You know, that's you know, you know, some healthy uh, to be able to, you know, so that eventually they can give it over to their kids. Yeah, yeah. So some healing. With, uh, with, with children, as well as with spouses, by the way, but as well as with anyone. Our words are, there's like an effect uh, chart. If we're gonna have an effect, like a, a chart, come on, Ravasher, can you make it? Do you? Zen diagram. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. do you have like a, you have no, you have no, oh, come on. I sent you that, you didn't, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna make it sound like I prepared all this stuff. <laughs> and it was you that messed it up. Um, if we were to have a, a chart over here, um, that said, you know, different things that we can do and the effectiveness of those things. Um, um, the first thing that would be the least effective would be our words. What we say, um, contrary to any article I might have ever written or anything I say, what we say is one of the first things we do. And it is also one of the least effective as far as um, acknowledging a relationship, showing love and the like. Words of affirmation are one of the five love languages and they are important. I'm not saying not, but they can also be completely dismissed if it's not followed or said properly. So what really matters to everyone around us is how we behave. How our children see us behave is super important. So, you know, people say to me all the time, well, I know someone who's a very big rub, a very big design. Their children are still, first of all, it doesn't mean, it, the Rabbani Shalom chooses what he chooses. It, it's not to say that if a kid, let's say a kid goes off at a derech, his parents didn't do the right thing. Who told you that? Hashem still runs the world. He didn't stop when it came to this kid going off. That's not how it works. 
I have no idea when this kid's supposed to come on. I have no idea when he's supposed to go off. Who said he was on to begin with? And the kid who doesn't act out is on. You know how many kids I know are dressed apart perfectly and are more off than some of these kids that are off. No one knows. He, he's just, he doesn't want to hurt his parents. So, so they did a good job because he doesn't want to. Well, I'm saying, what, where do we come up with these things? So we don't know. All we know is, is the example that we're setting. And this applies whether we're talking about our children, whether we're talking about our spouses, whether we're talking about our communities. The example that we set is all that really matters. So when, when uh, to, to not answer, but understand the uh, uh, Nachum's question over here, it's that a lot of us did grow up differently. And I find myself doing this all the time. Where I'll say to my wife, you know, you know, when I was his age, you know, it's speaking of one of my sons, my daughters are angels. Speaking of one of my sons, you know, when I was his age, if I would have, I would have got, it would have been a double, a double fisted hit, you know. It doesn't, it, it doesn't apply. When I was his age, I was also dreaming about something like a cell phone. I mean, that would have been amazing technology in this world, didn't it? You joking? When I was his age, a lot of things. But most importantly, I'm not my father. My father had no interests outside of his job, his Gemara, and his children. That was it, his family. That was it. He didn't go golfing. I honestly, till today, don't know if my father's ever been to Miami. I don't think he's ever been to Miami. He's never went to Miami. If he had vacation, he went to Artisrol to see his mother. We're, him and his brothers would gather together. Ask any of my siblings. They would gather together. They would sit in my grandmother's house for about a week. And that's what they did. That was their entire vacation. Then they would go back, go right back to work. We live in a very different time right now. A very different time. I don't remember my parents ever going away. We live in a very different time. We're different, therefore our children are different. And guess what? It's not that bad. It's not bad. It's not evil. We're not worse. It's just different. So let's move past that and realize that our children, if they were being raised by our parents, would not do that well. So let's abandon the fact of how I grew up. I want to now take out how I grew up on my kids. It's, it makes no sense. When we really think about it, it makes no sense. If you're that upset about how you grew up, go to therapy. Get over it and move on. Work through it. It's important to. I'm not, I'm not downplaying it. It is. If your inner child needs that, go for it. But other than that, don't take it out on your kids. Is there anything, anything that you would tell um, the, the schools? To change the same way you're telling parents to do different yeah, things. So, you know, this is a this is a cyclic thing. This is this is what I find with, with whether it's schools or. You know, I, I was listening to a thing one time, and they were saying how um, this one school threw a kid out, and this person was on, and they were saying the school is a right sayach. This person is a right sayach. He's the worst thing ever. How could he? How could he do this? This is going to be, by the way, the least popular thing I'm going to say tonight. 
let me let me give you an insight into a principal's office. Okay, let me give you an insight not only into a principal's office, into a Rebbe's room, but, but a principal's office. This kid does X, Y, and Z wrong, right? He does he does A, B, and C, and he does it wrong. He brought a cell phone. So I don't know whatever. Whatever. Okay. He says, okay, listen, he's a good kid. Let me see if I can, you know, he's talking to the Rebbe. He's a good kid. Let's see if maybe we can, maybe we can speak to the parents, see what's going on over there. His phone rings. Hello. Oh, hello, big person. This, that. Oh, no, that kid. Yeah, no. Well, we're hoping not to throw him out because, you know, he's a good kid. You know, right. Well, he's not going to get your child to have a, well, may I'm, he starts getting, Hangs up the phone, starts it again. Now, 10 parents call up and say he's a Ritzach if he keeps the kid because he's going to ruin the whole rest of the class. So he's a Ritzach if he throws the kid out. He's a Ritzach if he keeps the kid. It's a catch 22. No matter what, this guy's murdering everybody. Now, I know, again, it is very unpopular to be pro schools. I'm not saying schools are doing everything right, they're not. But I'm, I'm not going to stand on a soapbox and start yelling at every school to do something different. I'm telling you right now, if every parent and every school decided to do something different, the school would follow suit. They wouldn't just close up shop. They wouldn't close up shop. It's that we're all afraid of so many different things that we, we just don't speak up. We don't call people together to make a difference. And then if your school does something and there are parents who feel that from Kai Wise, it's not acceptable, they're going to go make their own school. But then that's going to be the best school now because they're the strictest. Because that's, that's the whole point. The whole point is to be strict. The whole point is that whoever is, we have to stop with this. The call to change is that we need to be honest. The average Rebbe, they're like, I don't know if I don't know if he's paying attention to, to my kid in the you, you better be bribing your rebellion because this guy holds down three jobs and he gets paid 30 grand a year. Go bribe your rebellion. You want him to pay attention to 30 kids when he has three other jobs to, to focus on? He's working till 9:30 at night every night, plus putting together class schedules. Anyone else handling your child, you would never accept it. If a doctor came in, God forbid, to see your child and said, I'm sorry, I just got off of a sales call. I'm, I'm also a car salesman. I got off, uh, I just got off of a sales call and it was, it was, it was really, uh, what do you call, stressed me out like crazy. Okay, what are we doing? We're pulling teeth? Oh, good. Because I, I really, I need, I need to, oh, I need to yank something. You'd be like, whoa, I think we're going to reschedule this appointment. No one would be okay with it. But putting our kids in front of a guy for five hours a day, that I'm fine with. Let him be stressed. It's okay. It's okay. Why should he have a nice house? Why should he have a? Why should he make the end of the month? Why should he make his bills? Oh, it's good Our priorities are backwards. Good kind of for the kids. Yeah. So that they know that that it's unimportant. <laughs> so that they know the Rebbe's going to teach them that having a BMW is unimportant. Come on. We all have to start standing up. And guys, I promise you, I'm not on a soapbox here. I'm talking to myself. We all need to start standing up and being honest about our roles. It is on us to affect every single person in Claudius Yisro. The, 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 the Gemara says it straight. The Gemara Kedushan says it. When a parent doesn't give a kid a bris, 
when a parent fails to give a child a bris meal at eight days, there is a list of people who are responsible afterwards. So if your next door neighbor isn't doing it, you got to do it. We need to stand up. And you're right. We might be shunned and we might be this, we might be this, we might be that. So I'm telling you something I need to do all the time. And, and, and the only reason, one of the reasons that I'm so thankful for the, the, the position I find myself in, in in the world is not because it's thank people like me or because, believe me, they don't. <laughs> I'll let you into my inbox. It's because I get to see sometimes that when someone leaves my office or I hang up a phone or what do you call it, it is just, it's one of, I'm going to share with you it's just me and you here. I'm going to share with you, you and, and you know, a few of my friends. Everybody saw in the confidentiality. Yeah, everybody saw, yeah, yeah. The friends of mine that are on right now, yeah, they know this already. They've heard this already. One of the most beautiful moments in my life are, are when I hang up a phone or when I end the meeting or I end the, what do you call it? There's this, you know the si- the quiet before the storm. I happen to love rain. I do. I, I don't. I have this weird thing. I love thunderstorms. I love rain. But my favorite part is that first thunder, when you're outside still, and there's that smell, and everything's quiet, and it's boom, boom, boom. And like in, in Ohio, you really you get to hear it, like boom, boom, boom. Like you get to hear this. When I hang up a phone, I have that moment where everything's quiet for a second. And I just get to breathe for one second. And it's just me and Hashem in that room at that moment. And I and every single time I, I, it happens the same way. I look at the Rabban Shalom, like Rabban Shalom, I don't know if what I said was right or wrong. I have no idea. But no matter what happens over there, we're in this, right? It's me and you. Like I might have just shot myself in the foot. I just yelled at a, a principal or I just told this person that I, I just, we, we're, we're still, right? It's still me and you here. And again, I get to breathe and take the next call or do the next person or they have to. Hashem is your witness. He didn't stop paying attention. He's here with you. If you need to band together parents to get a school to change a policy, if you're a school and you need to do the right thing, the Rabbi Shalom is with you. It doesn't mean that it's going to end right. It doesn't mean I, I don't run the world. All I know is, is that he, when we say that the Rabbi Shalom is, is keeping, uh, you know, he has, he has his, he has his farm, right? We're going into Rosh Hashanah. He has his farm open and everything gets recorded. Everything is recorded. What that means is not there to scare us, I don't believe. I believe that's there to inspire us. Take your life. Everything is being recorded. Everyone's going to know what you went through one day. Everyone's going to know how difficult this was for you. Everyone. You're going to be a hero one day. It's just not today. Everyone is going to realize how incredible the sacrifice that you made for this was. It, it, it might not be celebrated today, but it will be when it matters. So you're right. Schools might sometimes be on board, might, times not, might sometimes not be on board. Communities might be on board, might not be on board. We have to start from where we know is important. 
And this is something we discussed uh, a different time, but I just want to sign off with the school thing. It just with one concept, one idea. Your child needs to be in the right school. If, if you're disagreeing with everything the school's doing, you might want to change schools. I, it's not the best school or, oh, I don't send to that school. So, okay, don't, but you will at some point. Uh, a lot of yeshivas I know that, you know, are, are not, that, that, that are openly not the mainstream. They say, we're not the mainstream yeshiva. We do things differently here. Therefore, we're going to have a very colorful student body. A lot of people are going to say, uh, you know, I'm not sending, I'm not sending. Let's say it's a high school. I'm not sending there. I right, said so our ninth grade are going to have four kids. Their 11th grade has 25 kids. What happened? Did these kids just start multiplying? <laughs> what happened was very simple. The kid that you didn't send in ninth grade got thrown out in ninth grade. So you sent him to the next one. That was 10th. Then he sent him to the next one. Then finally got to, in 10th, he did about three. And then, then he finally got to the place that he belonged to in, ninth, in 11th grade after he feels like a failure of being thrown out of three places. Send your kid to the right school. There are people out there even to help deciding what school to send to. Get advice, send to the right school. Don't be embarrassed. Send to the right school for your kid. Look him in the eyes. You know where he belongs. Send him to the right school so he can, so he can be an incredible adult. How many, how, think back to the kid in your eighth grade class, in your eighth grade class, as a parent, your eighth grade class, the kid that was the top of the class, the best kid in the class, everyone who was a superstar. Think about where he is now. I'm not saying he's nowhere, but think about where he is now. When was the last time you heard about that guy? The odds are, eh, you have no clue where he is right now. There's three kids in your class that you have heard of. You see their name, they're all over, and they're an Oscan, and they're usually not exactly the kid that was the top of that class. Send your kid where he belongs so he can shine. Everybody else, let's go to the next live question. You're on. Hi, first of all, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Um, I have a question, two questions actually. One you answered about the school system, but my question is, how does one change things in the system if it's all about conformity? And if conforming isn't chinuch, then what is proper chinuch? Unfortunately, many, many systems are so flawed so what's the key to change that? The key to change that is when we act differently. So I, I, wanna, I wanna say one, one very important thing that I'm gonna ask you what your question was again. <laughs> Sorry. The important thing is um, we, we tend to believe that the way we get things changed, um, I had this disagreement with a person. Okay, this is gonna, all right. Ravasha, you finally got to where you wanted to get to. We're gonna get controversial here. Uh, I, I had a disagreement with a person uh, a couple of weeks ago. Nachi's uh, on, so he's going to make it a meaningful minute, so it's perfect. Ah, here we go. Welcome, Nach. How are you? It's happening. Okay, so um, I spoke to a person a, a number of weeks ago, and it was about a person who wrote a book anti, you know, they, they left, they're on, they're, they're not religious anymore, and it was anti certain religious communities. And they said, this person, Mamash, brought awareness and brought this and brought that. I said, yeah. They did to everyone who doesn't matter. So now every 
you know, white guy sitting in the middle of nowhere that is never going to affect any change thinks that this community in whatever in Judaism is like that. Yeah, he spread awareness. You know what change that created within our communities? Zero. That's what change it created. We just, we just put up our defenses and we fought back. And this person who made a TV show and this person who made a what he called, all we did, we put up our defenses and we fought back. That's it. That, that's what change you, you can hope to make. When you're standing on the outside yelling, that's all the difference you're gonna make. If you wanna make a difference, you do it from the inside. Especially when you're talking about our communities. If you want to make a difference, you do it from the inside, especially nowadays. Before technology, you think anyone was flocking to hear someone like Yossi Ventrushan? Believe me, they still don't flock to hear me, but I'm just saying, believe me, no one was coming. We have such a voice now. We can make such a difference as long as we're doing it right. As long as we're doing it bitsinna as long as we're doing it properly, as long as we're creating ourselves to be a Deya, a real Deya, not someone on the outside just yelling, I think it should be this, that, and the other. I had a friend of mine who was, who was uh, thrown out, of, uh, not thrown out, he was called to task on one of the things he was doing in his classroom by, uh, by his board, by the board of the school. And he looked around at the board, I'm not saying anything against boards, uh, you know, the board of the school I worked in were fantastic, I'm not saying anything against boards, but he was called in by the board and he looked around and he said, I'm sorry, you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're a, a real estate, what do you call, what do you know about my classroom? What data do you have in my classroom? What chinuch do you know? Get me an educational expert to tell me I'm wrong and I will listen. Change things from the inside. Be the difference you want to see. Really do that though. Be the from person who is really learning, who is really making a difference, who is really actively pursuing in their community, who is upstanding, who is real, who loves their children, who is spending time with their kids. And you can really affect change. When you say this doesn't feel right, people will listen. But when you're when you're an Isvar on every on every effect on every what do you call it, you just always are doing it differently. No one wants to listen. The school's gonna say it's that guy. They're always uh, we just listen and we nod. And this guy says we're wrong. Let's listen. Then they want to hear what you have to say. Waiting on our systems to be perfect is crazy. We're in Gullus. Our systems are never gonna be perfect. We can't hope for perfect. We don't even want perfect. If I can at a, you know, quote Rabbi Nachman, really it was Rabbi Nelson, but if I could quote Rabbi Nachman over here, imperfect is where we find our relationship with the Rabbi Nishalaylam. It is, it really is. Imperfect is not something we're supposed to hide or we're hiding our relationship with Hashem. Imperfect is not what we're, what, what, what we're embarrassed of. Unless we hide it, then we're embarrassed of it. Make the difference from the inside. If you can be a part of the system, 
and change it from the inside. So what does that look like? The only time we call up our rebbeim, the only time we call up our teachers, the only time we call up the principal is when something went wrong. What if we're actively part of our kids' schools? What if we're actively showing up? really trying to be a part of things. And then when we say something went wrong, when we say something should change, then they'll listen. Then they'll listen. We have to believe ourselves to be important enough that we can make a difference. And the only way to do that is to be an active part of things around us, an active part of our child's life, an active part of our schools, an active part of our communities, an active part of our, of our, of our shuls. How many of us just wait for, for the PTA to be set up, for this to be set up, and then we come in and we complain? If we're going to do that, we don't deserve to be listened to. I'm sorry, but we don't. We didn't buy in. We didn't ante in. If we were standing, I'm telling you, I worked in schools. The parents that are listened to are the parents who are constantly in contact, not out of complaints, but out of asking what they can do to help and of asking how the kid's doing, and of asking how the Rebbe's doing, how the teacher's doing. Is there anything we can bring in? You know what kind of limited budget they're dealing with? You know how much of a difference it makes when you tell a Rebbe, I want to sponsor donuts for the class for, for this, what he called? You know what type of difference that makes? These people are giving their life. They're giving their heart. And all they're hearing about every year, year after year after year, all they get to hear about is the time they messed up. You know what type of life that is? If you have a talented Rebbe, any school out there, if you have a talented Rebbe, there is zero reason he's staying in Chanach. I'm sorry, but it's the truth. If he has the talent to connect with people, if he has the talent to be innovative, to be creative, he should get a different job because he can make a lot more money and be a lot happier. That's just the truth, honestly. Because if he stays in Chinuch, he's just going to get trampled on. We can make a difference by celebrating these people, by building them up, by making them realize the effect they're having in this world. If you build people up, whether it's your, the people teaching in your schools, whether it's your children, whether it's your spouse, if we could forgive our egos and build people up, we will see changes like you would not believe. I've seen it work every single day. And, and the final note on it is I'm telling you, the school could tell your kid he's incredible all they want. I could tell your kid he's incredible all you want. The therapist, the neighbor, the aunt, the uncle could tell your kid that they're incredible all they want. It'll go so far. A parent takes out a minute to honestly look at their child and your kid knows when you're just doing it because you read it in a book and when you're doing it because you mean it. To honestly look at their child and say, whoa, I just want you to know something. I was speaking to your Rebbe today because you know I speak to your Rebbe all the time. And I am so proud to be your Abba. I'm so proud of being your father right now. You have any idea of the years and years and years and years that that'll make a difference to your kid? Once we're once we're in over here, I know I'm going over, but 
once we're in over here, I, I, I want to tell you a story that, that molded who I am today. I've said it before, but when I was, uh, I don't know, I couldn't have been more than eight, maybe. Um, I basically, long story, I basically brought like a homeless person back to my house. This is a long story. And my mother was not happy with me. Um, and that Friday night, we're going, we're walking home from shul. Um, my brothers, uh, myself, and my, our father. And the way uh, the procession behind my father would work uh, was that uh, my oldest brother would, um, or the oldest boy that was walking home with him, then happened to be my oldest brother, um, would like talk to him in learning or whatever. And the youngest one would be holding his hand. And then whoever else was there would be walking behind us and, uh, you know, hitting each other, trying not to get caught by my father, whatever, I don't know, uh, messing around, I don't know. And we were walking, we lived on East 13th Street and Avenue L in Flatbush at the time. And between L and M, L and Elm, to be honest. And we were walking back from a Hill David Shul Friday night. And we got to the corner of Avenue L and East 13th Street. And there's, you can go see it. I, I think it's still there, I don't know. But there's a mailbox on the corner of Avenue L and East 13th Street. And my father was holding my hand and he turned to my brothers and he says, guys, walk a little bit. I want to talk to Yossi now in our house. Basically, my brothers are like, you know, all right. You know, it was nice knowing you. It was, it was, uh, we had a good run. Um, but, uh, you know, if he doesn't kill you uh, and he's just going to give you away to someone, then we wish you the best, you know, with all your future endeavors. And they all, you know, they just started walking, you know. <clears throat> None of them even looked over their shoulders. <laughs> they just, and my father turned to me and he goes, what happened this week? I said, I didn't say anything. You don't answer that question. And he said, um, mom was upset. You did. I said, yeah. He said, why did you do that? I said, the guy was hungry. I don't, I don't remember what I said. Something along those lines. And my father, my father was never one to really mix words. Like, you know, he was not a, uh, he was a real Moroccan and he was still holding my hand. He looked me very deeply in my eyes. And I honestly, till today, don't think he's ever looked at me that deeply in my eyes since then. He looked me very deeply in the eyes and he said, Yossi, your entire life, people are going to tell you that you're wrong. They're going to tell you that, that you're going to be taken advantage of and if you're that nice to people, and if you care for people that much, they're going to take advantage of you. And they're going to, and I want you to know something, they're right. But they're very wrong. It's a superpower. To care for people is a superpower. To love people is a superpower. Don't let anyone take that from you. And as you get older, you're going to start losing it. But to be able to feel and be sensitive is a superpower. Don't ever lose it. I left that conversation feeling like a million dollars and I promise you on anything you want, it is the only reason I do with what I, what I do today is the only reason why I do what I do is because of that one conversation. Because I knew he meant that. When we instill, not only in our children, but in the people around us, that sense that what they are and what they can do is incredible, there is nothing that we can't change altogether. 
There is nothing we can't change. Now I'm telling you, for all of us complaining, the Chinuch system has changed. It has gotten better. It has gotten better since I was a kid. It has gotten better for sure. It has been more accepting. It has been more open. It has been more loving. There's no question. And it's going to keep getting better. The more we change it from the inside, not from yelling from the outside. Amazing. Okay, so let's go back to having a discussion to having a discussion with our kids. Here's an interesting question somebody sent in. I tried to have a discussion with my 15-year-old daughter about different boundaries that I feel unnecessary. However, every time we talk about it, it becomes an overheated discussion. I just hate having this discussion with her. What can I do about it? So number one, I'm not assuming anything here, but I'm, <clears throat> but I am, I guess. Uh, you're not having a discussion. You're you're having a dictation. <laughs> you're telling her w- what's going to be, um, which, if you're dealing with a teenager, that's just not going to work. Um, one of the keys to a teenager's heart is respect. When you have mutual respect and you have understanding between the two of you, that. Um, especially if you're talking about a, uh, a girl of the, I don't know how many families I've had to deal with at this point. I've had, I've not have had, like I had to deal with, like uh, I had to deal with them, but I've had to do with, um, and, you know, just stomp people I know and people I've seen and um, the, the people who in their homes, uh, the children are, are, are part of the home, they're part of the family, they're part of running the system. And it's not like everything has to be perfect. It's like, no, that's that's that kid's job. And yeah, sometimes the table is gonna be set by an eight-year-old and it's gonna look like that. It's not gonna be perfect. It's gonna be all over the place. It's gonna be, but but that kid's proud of that, that table job. So that kid feels respected and feels a part of the family and feels, when we show our teenagers respect and we show them that we're listening to them and that maybe they do have a point, and a lot of times they do have a point, um, then we can actually have a conversation. But a lot of times we say, I tried talking to my kid and having an open conversation, but it didn't work. The concept that something is going to work or not work is already not a conversation. Your kid might have a point and then, and then you work together to figure something out. So, um, I met these wonderful kids. Uh, um, you know, I'm not going to say right now, and I don't have their permission. I met these wonderful, wonderful kids who uh, started a business um, in their house. Uh, they live in Lakewood. They started a business in their house. Uh, they make things and they sell it. And, um, and it's a wonderful business. And they're, they're exceptionally talented. They sent me this beautiful uh, box of things on, um, I think it was Shavuos. It was incredible. It was beautiful, really unbelievable. And so they do need to have those those three. And these are young kids, by the way. They need to have access to technology because they are they are what do you call it? They they they're, they're running a business. They do need to have access to that. Why shouldn't they? They're running a beautiful, beautiful business. Why shouldn't they? Now, if you're okay with them running a business or whatever, but why shouldn't they? You're going to take away that. So. So within reason though, you don't need your phone at 3 a.m. though. You don't need to have an unfiltered phone. You don't need to have a, right? There, there, are, there are ways of being able to come up with a concession of some sort. A lot of times they're gonna say, well, the school doesn't let. 
The school doesn't, the school doesn't allow it. I think you're going to be surprised a lot of times what happens when you have a conversation with the school, as opposed to just being too afraid to do that. A lot of times, I'm not going to say the school's going to give in or not give in, but a conversation can help a lot. Mary Bessie, look, so we have a lot of live. Can we try to knock some of, that, some of the lives yeah, now? Sure. Let's do it. Okay, you're on. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for a wonderful class. Um, you touched on so many points, specifically how important it is for mothers and fathers to be involved in chinuch classes specifically and educating themselves because we didn't all grow up with, you know, open topics and, you know, speaking our hearts and all that. So going back to um, one of the examples that you brought up and you said that the father, it was just easier for him to say, we're not gonna go to the library rather than have a conversation like that. Could you model for us what a normal conversation would sound like regarding yeah. that topic? So yeah, so it depends, it, it depends on, uh, on the situation. A lot of times, um, you know, I mean, remember when you were a kid, you know, uh, you, why do teenagers think they know everything? Let's start there. Uh, Teenagers think they know everything, not because they actually think they know everything. They think they know everything because nothing is hidden from them anymore. They found it all out already. They know all the things that you didn't want them to know. They now know. So they're like, that's it. I'm an adult. Because the whole point to a kid of being an adult is just knowing whatever they know. It's just finding out whatever it is that they know. Why do our kids not want to go to sleep? Because they think that they think that there's going to be a party the minute they go to sleep. Like that, they, they, they know that there is. <laughs> is that awesome? Having a party. Malachem, it's frozen? It's having a party. I think the question was too hard. Um, relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 that's what they think is going on. That's what they, so, to have a conversation looks like this. So I'm just saying, so, so the, the, the first and foremost part is saying, it's not that I don't want you to know things, right? Because the minute we tell them that's not for you, we don't, we, don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't talk about that. We don't, all that inspires in a child is their curiosity and they just want to know now. So they're going to find out. Really what life is, I, I mean, let's say that guy was right. And that book, was uh, what the book? The book was inappropriate. I'm not denying that the book was inappropriate. The book was inappropriate, right? So he wants to. He doesn't want his children to see that. So he's going to shelter it from them, right? Now let me ask you something. Fast forward. You're speaking, or someone you hear about someone who's speaking to a Rosh Hashiva of a high school. There's Rosh Hashiva of a boys' mesefta, and they say to this, uh, "We're just going to go out with it. It's a. It's eleven. 10 almost at night, I assume whoever's up and on right now can handle a little bit of a mature discussion. And they say to this Rosh Hashiva something like, oh, there's a billboard or an advertisement or something about homosexuality. And the Rosh Hashiva says, I'm sorry, what? And he says, homosexuality? He says, I'm, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know. Uh, what? How don't you? I don't know how, how you want to say it. it's like I've never heard of it in my life like I what really like yeah I don't I don't know what you're talking about like and and you it's freezing up now. can't freeze now you don't know how to explain it and 
you hang up the phone, you're like, whoa, okay, that was, and you're like, wait a second, I need to get my kid out of that school. Why? Because if he's so, if he's so out of touch that he doesn't even know what that is, then, then my kid can't be in that school. He's not going to know anything of what's going on. Okay, it was a bad example, but I'm saying, let's say I say to him television, I don't know, internet. He's like, what's internet? Right? He has no idea what internet is. Cell phone. I have no idea what a cell phone is. Never heard of it in my life. Like, you, you, you're out of touch. How are you going to be uh, uh, understanding what a buffer is going through if you don't even know what a cell phone is? If you've never heard of it before. So the question is, who taught him that? At what age did we sit down and educate this kid about that idea? The answer is, well, hopefully never. So he's a 30-year-old and has no idea? No, don't be silly. He's going to find out. I know. I'm not being silly. He's going to find out. You're right. He's going to find out. So now the question is, who taught him that? How did he find that out? Anyone know? It was his friend. Some random kid in his class. It was a kid two grades older than him. Some guy on a bus. Some kid in the back of shul. That's who you want? That's who you want telling your kid about these things? So the question is, how do we have this conversation? The conversation doesn't necessarily need to be all informative. It needs to be destigmatizing of the interest. So when the child says, wow, in the world is this could have two dads, you're like, I know that sounds really weird, right? You've never heard of that before. That sounds very, very, very weird. What do you think it means? Well, I guess it means that, and, and, and you, you go through it in that way. What do you think it means? Oh, that's interesting. So in by Gaia or whatever, you know, by, it depends on, on your kid's language. A lot of this depends on an upbringing and a lot of different things. We can explain certain things in, in, in different ways. Personally, you know your children, you usually know how to talk about it. If you don't ask somebody who, a rub that like uh, you're close with that you know that they'll, they'll usually be able to give you a, 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 a fair enough way. to just throw the book, that's definitely not, not okay. So if we're talking about um, difficult conversations, so uh, even the birds and the bees, even anything like that. So I think this is genius. What, what, what I do is my son turns 11, 10. I start learning with him. We have a chavrusa in Ketzer Shulchan Arach. We start going through halachas immediately certain things come up right away. If you're, if you're going to be learning from the beginning of either Mishnah Baruch or anything like that, things are going to come up right away about how to, how to wash, how to wash yourself, how to, and, and you get to broach these subjects and have conversations about how the body works, about how different things happen. And it happens through the lens of Kedusha. It happens through the lens of Tyra, which is how we want to raise our children is through the lens of Tyra is from the base point of Tyra. So as long as we're smart about how we bring it up, these conversations are gonna happen very, very freely and very easily. But again, we need to uh, be smart about it. And it's a lot of not necessarily giving them all the information, but it's a lot of listening to what they think about the subject and then correcting where it's wrong. Beautiful, Okay, we have somebody more live. Yossi, you good? We can keep going? Yeah, yeah let's go. 
But the one thing I think we just want to put out there is we have to come to the realization also that it's out there. It's not like it was, I was sitting with a group of my friends that we were in years ago. We said when we wanted to do something, right? Yossi, come on, you can relate to this. Flavish boy. <laughs> we wanted, uh, parents went away, Ben Azman, and we wanted to watch a movie, do a show. We had to figure out how to get the car, to get the TV from PC Richard, to return it, to go into Blockbuster, who's going to be go in. It was like eight hours of work to watch a two-hour movie. Right. That was just like one example. And we were laughing about it when a kid could just have like a cell phone device and have basically the whole world in his hand. Right. So, so the knowledge and what's going on out there and, and and the concepts that America and the world is putting out there, right? The, all the stuff, right? That's in the Avir. It's right. here. But to live in this like planet of like, I'm not going to talk about it. We don't talk about this. We'll talk about that. It's only suppressing and making more of a real issue when, again, like 100%. you said, specific and get into details. But the concepts are real. I mean, the kids live with this. They go outside. I mean, on the posters, on the bus, on the this, on that. I mean, this is the world we live. We don't live. Maybe we should, but we don't live in Mary Sharm. If we did, maybe it would help us. Right. We live in America, where it's in your face. Hundred percent. Yeah, see, but it gets confusing. Number one, what's the line? You're not going to put everything on the table. And what age? And and if, for those who didn't grow up with it, it's you're, you're totally throwing them a curveball. Like what in the world? So um, uh, on the question, uh, she actually, I wanted to uh, thank you for saying that because I wanted to remember she, she said on the question and it, it, it is, it's very important. I, I, I very much believe that um, um, if you were to approach an accountant, if you were to approach um, a financial advisor, if you, don't, you wanna know what their education is. Um, we need to educate ourselves right? We're given children and not many of us, myself included, are, are educated in it. One of the reasons why I try bringing up chenach and kids all the time in, 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 in any share or any uh, lecture or anything I'm giving is because when I learned about it, I was like, wow, people really need to know this stuff. This is not natural. It's not, especially nowadays, it's not natural that we just know this stuff. It, it's totally okay to pick up a book, to go to a share, to go to a course, to go to a and and they'll they'll cover uh, you know a lot of these things uh, mainly because a lot of it a lot of it is individualized a lot of it is individualized there's a lot of uh, uh, nuances to each individual kid each individual family that you're gonna have to be able to to work around and and that's okay um, but the the two things the two rules that I like to say is number one be calm. That's, that's the first thing. That is the most important thing. Nothing you're calm about, this is just a rule I found, nothing you're calm about do your kids care about anymore. So if they bring up something to you and you're just like, yeah, oh, that's the thing. Where are we going for pizza? Like, they're like, ah, oh, fine, forget it. That didn't do it. That didn't, that. But if they bring up something, you're like, whoa, where did you get that? They're like, oh, get that back here. I want to know what's going on in that thing. That's it to me fantastic. What's that? Explain it to me in detail, Dad. I don't get it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, they really want to know what's uh so number one, first and foremost, number one thing is to become the, the main reason really to become is not just you know as a trick so that they don't you don't spike their interest, but your kids want to know that where they're coming from and who they're following are calm are calm people. If they feel that you're, you're, you're easily excitable, they don't trust you. Because 
the last thing that you got really excited about, not not excited in a good way, but like overexcited and like irritable about, ended up being fine. It ended up being okay. I just moved and it's taking forever for me to unpack or get this house ready in any way. Believe me, if I were to turn this thing around and show you what everything here looks like, it is not good. And I keep saying to my wife, I'm like, I got to get this and I got to get this. I want to get this. What do you call it? I'm like, how am I, how are my kids going to feel settled if they don't? And I keep thinking to myself, I'm like, they're going to feel settled because you feel settled. The, the only know that anything's wrong with this house right now, because I'm worried because I'm freaking out about it. That's the only reason they know. Other than that, they're like, I don't know. There's a couch there. Everything's fine. <laughs> like we have food. Just, uh, what, what do you, what are we really worried about? They're fine. So to be calm is number one. The second thing is to be honest, to really just be open and honest, not be afraid of having a conversation. It doesn't mean that you need to, everyone always wants to know what's the right thing to say at the right time. You're not gonna say the right thing at the right time always. No one asks that by the way in marriage. What's the, and, and it might be more applicable there than it is in raising kids. No one wants to know what's the right thing to say at the right time in a marriage. No one ever asks that. It's like, I'm dealing with an adult, it's easier. Not molding a child's mind. Guess what? You're not really molding any child's mind. You're molding their heart and soul. That doesn't happen through one conversation that you might've said something right or wrong. It happens by the way you look at them. It happens more, believe it or not, by the way you listen, by the way you pause when you're talking to a kid, by the interest you have in what they're saying, by the interest you have in what they're not saying, by the want to be around them. You're saying a lot more to this kid. We're so afraid of information. We've become so afraid of what our kids are going to see and hear that we stop telling them and listening. That we stop building them. Nothing in the outside can hurt our children. Not nothing, barring extreme circumstances. Nothing in the outside can hurt our children if we have a relationship with them, if we have a real deep relationship with them. Obviously, there are exceptions to that. I'm not saying not. But nothing can hurt them if we have a deep, deep connection with them. Even if they say, I hate you, you're stupid, you're this, you're that, I never like you, I wish I had a different mommy. It's silly. They love you, they wouldn't be saying that if they didn't love you. Here, Jessica, let's go to the next live question, you're on. Hello. Um, Hi. Hi. Presentation. Um, I've been, a, I've been in Chinuch for many years, for decades, and I also have a couple of generations of descendants under me. So I've seen throughout the years how important it is that we speak carefully to our children. And you mentioned before about building up the self-esteem of a child. However, how do, we, how do we teach parents or help train them that to, to find the middle ground of building up your child without making him an egocentric person and thinking that he or she knows better than everybody else in the world comes a point that we forget about uh, limitations when we try to build up our child. Right. My first so, question, which I originally signed up for, but I'd like to say something else which you uh, touched on and made me think. Um, in the from world, it bothers me very much the hekpeda on, on Gashmias to the point that so much is over the top 
And these things come from the home. I don't think it has to come from the outside world. It's come from the home. And I'm just not understanding and it constantly disturbs me. Where did this come from? And how do we like keep it in check? Okay, so I'll do the second thing first. The second thing was our fault. Um, we, uh, we did that to ourselves. Um, uh, what I'm gonna say is not gonna be popular and I apologize. But when, when we put Hersherim on things, instead of people knowing what's kosher and what's not, we put Hersherim on everything. So all we have are a bunch of mindless people following a Hersher. So um, you're right. I would never eat at someone's house that has something that they know is kosher, but doesn't have a Hersher on it. But I would eat at someone's house that has this abundance of Gashmias going on, even though that's not necessarily what we believe in, but it all has a Hersher on it. By doing, uh, by 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 um, making people into a bunch of brainless zombies, we allow them to just believe that as long as there is this symbol on it, everything's okay, and we're allowed to do that. And the second hechsherim and anything else is going to become um, the the standard of what we believe in, right? Food among us is uh, the one thing that we're allowed to indulge in, and I'll never forget this for the rest of my life. It scarred me for forever. I was at a program somewhere. I'm not going to say where. It's at a Shabbos or something like that somewhere. And the waitress that was uh, doing our table, I was speaking there, and the waitress that was doing our table um, at this uh, event uh, uh, was asking me a bunch of questions about, she saw I was a rabbi, and she, she was asking me a bunch of questions about Judaism. And uh, at one point, she comes up to me and she says, I can ask you something is gluttony not one of the uh, sins in Judaism? So I was like, what do you mean? Why? She's like, and she just looks around the room that we were standing in that had like meat hanging from the ceiling. And she's like, ah, just asking, you know, because, because this is the sixth meal you guys are eating today and it's not noon. So I just figured I'd ask, you know, right? So yeah, we do go over the top, but um when, when we want people to just blindly follow what we say, that's what's going to end up happening, is that a lot of things that aren't okay are going to become okay just because the powers that be said that it is okay when it's not okay. Um, but that's a different argument for a different time. Um, the, as far as the uh, building up uh, self-esteem to, to the point that a kid thinks he knows better than everyone, uh, where I respectfully disagree on that, and I'm sure this isn't what you meant, but where I respectfully disagree is that that is not self-esteem. A kid knowing better than everyone could come from, a, you know, a, a few different places. Um, it's not coming from their self-esteem. Uh, self-esteem being built up properly by parents or people around them is going to lead them to want to learn more from people on top of them. It's not going to lead them to think they know better from people on top of them. Uh, what will lead them to know better than people on top of them is when children overhear conversations in the house being like, oh, God, the school wants to, again, this place, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Rabbi, what's his name? If he wasn't, you know, and you know, he's in it for the money. You know, he's in it for the money. And at the end of the day, if he takes one more payment, right, they, when they hear all of that at home, so they tend to disregard a, a lot of uh, what uh, people say. Um, a lot of other times, it's a call for attention. Um, they're going to question authority, mainly because authority has not served them well. Uh, that's definitely not a kid whose self-esteem was brought up. Uh, please not uh, confuse a child with healthy self-esteem to a child who's acting out 
and therefore questions everything. And is uh, when I say questions everything, I don't mean in, in a good way. I mean, I love kids who question things. I mean, uh, uh, is constantly calling out authority and disagreeing and just being argumentative. Um, that's not coming from a place of self-esteem. That's usually coming from a place of insecurity, as a matter of fact, it comes from the other way. Um, just, he doesn't feel comfortable doing that at home. So he's gonna do that at the next best place or she's gonna do it at the next best place, which is gonna be in the school. Um, a kid like that usually is lacking in self-esteem. And when we build them up in the classroom, they tend to do very, very, very well. No, I'm, I'm can you hear me? Am I yeah. sorry? No, I, I understand what you're saying, but that's not really what I meant because I've seen it. And I've seen how parents tell their kid, oh, you're the greatest, you're the greatest and you're so wonderful. And yet when the kid does something wrong, they sort of fall back on their disciplining uh, duties, you know? Right, right. So, so that, that, then, then, then to me, that's what that is. So what that is, is, is you're the greatest, you're the greatest, you're the greatest, and you're the greatest means that you're infallible, that you can do no wrong. Uh, that's not what the greatest means. Uh, the greatest do doesn't mean that you can do no wrong. Uh, you, you can certainly do wrong. You're the greatest means that when you do wrong, you know how to handle it. You know what to do about it. You know how to say, I'm sorry. You know how to rectify a wrong. Um, you're the greatest doesn't mean, so when a kid does something wrong and the parents are constantly saying you're the greatest, which again, saying you're the greatest, you're the greatest, you're the greatest, I don't think is that great, but uh, let's say it is. Um, when a kid like that does do something wrong, uh, they say, wow, really? That's beneath you. And the kid immediately feels like, yeah, that was beneath me. I, I didn't need to do that. I'm sorry. I don't know where that came from. You ever heard a big person apologize for something? It's, 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 it's such a lesson in greatness. They usually say, I have absolutely no idea what came over me or why I said that, but I said it, so I'm sorry. And, and everyone's like, yeah, no, it's fine. We all have our bad days <laughs> and everyone moves on. It's when people start to justify, justify, justify. That's a person who is built up wrong. So uh, those parents are not instilling their kids. Self-confidence is not thinking you're amazing. Self-confidence is confidence. Confidence is I know what to do in given situations. I'm competent. I'm confident. I can handle things. It's not that I'm always the right, I'm always right, or I'm always the smartest, or I'm always the best. It's that I know when I am and I know when I'm not. And I know how to handle when I am. I know how to handle when I'm not. And this, this tank in me is filled that I don't need to fill it with negativity. This tank in me is filled. I don't need other people to tell me I'm great. I don't need other people to applaud me. I don't need other people to, the, what do you call it? I'm meaningful. What I do matters. So when they're wrong, um, the, the parent wouldn't be ignoring that and the child wouldn't be feeling that they should be ignoring that. Uh, I don't think that the kid's really listening to them in that situation. I don't think the kids, I don't feel like the kid's really listening to them or believes them when they say that you're amazing. Um, I, I've seen parents with the, you're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing. Uh, even at their shop sale, they're like, oh, you're the best, you're amazing. And you can see the kids just like, I, honestly, I do it all the time. Like my kids, uh, my, my siblings, my in-laws, everyone knows my kids ignore most of what I say. <laughs> like a good 60% of what I say, my kids are ignoring. They know when I'm being serious. But most of the time I'm telling my daughter how she's my best friend. I'm like, Eliana, really, we're best friends and we're going to wear matching bows and we're going to, and she just sits there like completely just like a brick wall, just like not listening to anything I'm saying. And everyone laughs. And they're all like, you know, she hadn't heard a word. Like, I know, I just, I like driving her crazy. So I just say these things. But to a lot of kids, it's not them driving them crazy. It's, or a joke, it's everything. They just don't listen because you're constantly being like, oh, you're the best. You're amazing. They're like, no, I'm not. I messed up over there. 
I, I know I messed up over there. You keep saying I'm amazing, but I know I'm not. So what else are you lying about? It's usually where that kid's coming from. So in reality, if, uh, if, if a parent really instilled confidence, confidence comes out more when a kid does something wrong than when they do something right. Uh, a kid will do something wrong, will immediately look a little bit sheepish or embarrassed, smile and say, oh, I'm really sorry. When the, you know that kid has a lot of confidence. Okay, so let's go, let's get another live one over here. Let's hop another one in. Okay, you're on. Yes. Um, Rabbi Ben Shushan, thank you so much. I'm so inspired by um, everything you're saying and last year, and um, we're all here hooked on you. Thank you. Um, so you mentioned, actually, you made a statement which um, segues into my question, which is that chinuch doesn't come naturally. Mm. And um, I agree with you. Um, I wish we had you when we had small kids. Now our kids are big and they're married and they have their own small kids. So um, in order, I want to be able to um, phrase this correctly without sounding like I'm um, maybe, um, I don't know. How can, how can I get them to hear this year to actually listen to it, not just send it to them, but have them hear it? And, um, you know, um, take in, you know, I mean, follow this, this wisdom. Oh. I want to tell you something. This is a phenomenon I found. I want to tell you a story. I, when I was, uh, I think I was, I was 17, maybe, maybe 18. Uh, um, okay, the guy who uh, this is about, I think might be on right now. So, but uh, I was maybe 18 when this happened. Um, I was driving with a friend of mine and um, I don't even really fully remember the story, but we were driving, I think to Jersey and he had to switch cars with his father. His father had just, it was both his father's cars really, but like he was driving one, his father was driving the other. And his father had just picked up his grandmother, his father's mother. And we were switching cars at, at a rest stop. I don't remember why, but I remember pulling into this rest stop. Now I knew this kid's father for a few years the most relaxed, funniest, just laid back guy you've ever met. Just across the board, just extremely laid back. We get to this rest stop, we pull in, my friend, I'll call him Maishi, my friend Maishi turns to me and he goes, yes, I just, um, you need to know something. Um, we're about to see my father. Um, you know my father. I'm like, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. Anything you see during this interaction, just negate from your memory afterwards. I'm like, what? He's like, just trust me. Just what you're about to see is not the norm. It's just whatever. I'm like, okay. Sure enough, we get out of the car. His father, we pull up next to his father. His father gets out of his car and I see immediately his father is like just distressed and angry and upset about something and he's slamming doors and he's... And I'm like, okay, I'm like, I've never seen him like this. This is wild. And I've been in their house a lot. I'm like, this is crazy. So I get out and my friend, I see is even acting differently in front of his father. He's like, he's like, Todd's everything. Okay. You know, no, no I'll, I'll get the bag. Like, I'll, like he's normally very buddy, buddy with his father. And like, he was not at this point. And this little old lady, now his father's a very big man. Like he was six something like big guy. This little old lady gets out of the backseat of his father's car to move into our car. And she turns to him and she goes, 
Let's say his name is Chaim. She goes, Chaim. Let's say his father's name is Chaim. She goes, Chaim, did you remember the bag? And he takes the bag he's holding. This guy is again the most calm, put together, relaxed guy I've ever seen. Takes the bag he's holding oh, and oh. throws it down on the floor. Oh, and he goes, Yeah, Ma, I remember the bag. I got the bag. You said it five times. And he starts losing it. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, what is going on? Like we're in the middle of a rest stop. People are stopping and staring at us. And he moves the stuff in and he gets into the car and we switch cars. We drive away and I get into the passenger seat of the other car. My friend Chaim gets into the driver's seat and he starts driving and it's quiet. And he's like, yep, so that happened. I'm like, I'm sorry. I, you said to, but I, what in the world just happened? And he's like, my father is an amazing person and he is the sweetest guy. He really is. He's my hero. He is a different person around his mother. There's, there's nothing I, I can explain it. I can't, I can't, what do you call it? She doesn't come to our house often because of this. My mother doesn't let because of this. I don't know what it is. We don't understand it but he loses his mind around her. And I never forget, I'm like, what? And I got older and I started understanding a little bit more. Chinuch does not stop when your child leaves the house. As a matter of fact, I can't tell you how many people I know that are closer with their parents and only developed a relationship with their parents after they left the house. The key is unfortunately not sending them a share like this. No, I'm not, I'm not telling you not to promote uh, uh, Coach Menachem or Ravasha or anything that we're doing here, but it's not to send them a share like this. It's to be there with them. The same, the same thing that applies to a five-year-old applies to a 45-year-old. Parents will always be the parent to their kid. Will always be the parent to their kid. If I'm having a what do you call? I need to run away. I'm still going to be running to my parents' house. I'm telling you now. I just that's where I want to run away to. I want my mother to make me some soup, and and I want to sit there and tell her, "My everything's fine." Of course, I'll take some soup. Whatever, fine. I'm still going to act like I'm 16, but but it's still my comfort zone. It's still my 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 place that I want to be. Chinuch does not end when our kids leave our house. Who we are to our children is so important. You have any idea what it means to your kid? When my mother has done this for me, and I'm telling you, it. And, and my mother again, like you know, she'll she'll compliment us all the time. So it, but but still, when you turn to your kid and you say to your kid, I just want you to know, we just had a Shabbos meal at your Shabbos table. I don't know where you learned this. My father said this to me once about, said it about one of my siblings. <laughs> I was going to say he said it about me, but it's not true. He said it about one of my siblings, but he said, you know, we were just by what he called. I don't know where they learned to be such great parents, but they're amazing. You have any idea how deep that goes into a kid, into, into a 45 year old kid. You have any idea that confidence boost they get? I was speaking to someone last week this person is in their late 30s, early 40s, maybe even. She was willing, her mom 
left her as a child for years, abandoned the family for years. She was willing to forego everything that happened till that day. If her mom would just apologize and tell her she wants to have a relationship with her. At that moment, her mom was in her 60s. She was willing to let it all go and have a relationship she wants to. As long as she would just show up then, be like, what I did then was wrong. I just really wanna have a relationship with you. She was willing to let it all go. It's, we never grow up. We never grow up. Our children never stop being ours. It's never too late to have a better relationship with our kids. It's definitely never too late to have a better relationship with your parents. Never. We have to lead whether we're 80, 90, it doesn't matter. The way we interact with our kids is how they're going to interact with their kids, is the confidence and the confidence that they're going to have to interact with their children. Set it by example. Don't, don't be the person that's, you know, constantly sending their kids, uh, you know, Y.Y. Jacobson clips uh, of Kibbutz Avaim. I don't know. I don't know if Y.Y. Jacobson ever gave a share about Kibbutz Avaim. I'm just saying, like, you know, oh, I thought you might like this. And like, I'm just going to leave this here and see who, right? You know, it, we don't need to do that actively have a relationship with them. Actively go out of your way to have a relationship with your kids. And you'll see, they will, they, especially your adult kids will love it. Will love it. Yossi, powerful stuff. Okay, one more live and one more question I wanna, that came in I wanna answer. Two more questions, okay? Then we'll, then we'll go to the closing. Um, I want to say one other thing on what you said, by the way, there, there is, I've heard this many times, I've been to enough speeches already <laughs> Sunday night, but I've, uh, I've heard this, that they say, obviously, the chinuch will the younger years is molding and the example, but the core chinuch of leading a healthy life, not childhood, comes after marriage, because right. when, they, when the child gets married, and they're finally dealing with relationships, and they're dealing with their own kids, I mean, I'm going to tell you a story that happened. I've seen it. You probably know what it is. There was somebody who was raising kids for many, many years. The child was not religious, a lot of things. And the father was an amazing person that was loving and like, you know. And she told me when I met her that now she's dealing with a kid exactly the same the way she was. The kid's 15. She said all the years when she was doing this father, she would come home with boys, smoking, whatever the things. The father was so amazing at what he did that she thought her father was so hapless and so like, oh, he's just such a nice guy. Right. Like she didn't realize the guy was a superhero. Hmm. Now she's dealing with a kid and she turns to the father and the father turns to her. I've been dealing with this for you for my whole life. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And she's learning from the core example. So there's a, there's a part of, I'm not exactly the right word. You know, obviously, this kind of raising a kid, you're showing them, but the things that they drive home is really a lot stronger after marriage sometimes. Like, 100%. 100%. How many, you know, how many people I hear say, like, uh, newly, newly married or engaged uh, people who say to me, they're like, uh, no, no, my parents love my spouse or the person I'm gonna my fiance, whoever I'm engaged to. Like, as a matter of fact, I think they like them more than they like me. They mean that with such heart. They're like, oh, my parents are amazing. They've accepted this person that I brought in so deeply. You have any idea like what that means to a kid when you tell them that their spouse, like however much it's, you say it about them, when you say to their, when you say about their spouse, that like you tell, you tell your son, that your daughter-in-law, you say, she is so patient with your kids. She is so nice. She's so patient with you. 
which is difficult because I raised you and I wasn't that patient. <laughs> like, when you say certain that you have any idea what that means to them and how, how, how much it builds them, it's, oh. Okay, next live question, you're on. The last live question. Is that me? Yes. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much, Roy Ben Susan. I'm taking every word for like gold. I really appreciate uh, this amazing uh, program that you've put together. Um, so I have a question. I have a high school boy. He's my Bahar, and he's a, a very special boy. He's been through a lot. Um, and Baruch Hashem, he's come a long way, and he's you know really taking to his learning finally, and he's really growing. And he has absolute impeccable midos, although it's taken a long time for those to shine through. Uh, for his whole life, he's always, you know, taken a real liking, and I'm sure a lot of people and mothers will say this, you know, to technology, and we don't offer too much of it, but we do try to have a very open relationship with our children, and we try to give them where we can with, you know, certain gadarim. and he has a flip phone, and he really, really wanted to get a, a smartphone, and we told him, like, I myself also have a flip phone, and I told him, you know, this is just not something that we feel is necessary for you. And he went behind our back and he got one from like a boy in yeshiva. And he's such a good, sweet, precious boy that he admitted to it. And I said to him, I'm so proud of you that you told me. I said, you know, it is upsetting, but it obviously means so much to you. Like explain, explain to it more. What, what, what's so important to you? So he, he said, I can't really tell you what it is. And I said, I, I know that you have a real, you know, liking to technology. I said, but, but what about it? He said, you can get it tagged. He's like, I don't even care. I just want to have texting and I just want to have the ability to use a phone and my alarms and, and even a camera he's like you could take off the browser you could take off everything tag it to the nines because you can even do it like a library i check it out for like an hour he dorms anyway so he's not even home often he's like i'll check it out for an hour check it back in with you you can keep it so i said you know i, I hear you and I, I really you know we value what you have to say and and we often give in to you even though sometimes we have to find a you know a happy medium but i'm going to ask a few a few you know experts so i did and the answer was, is you should tell him no, and it should be because the yeshiva doesn't let. And you already just touched on this. And that was the answer we gave him. And he is taking it, but not, not well. And he asks me often, you know, can't you find somebody else to speak to? And I did. I told him I spoke to a bunch of different people. But I feel like Hashem is sending me sort of a sign tonight because you sort of just touched on this whole, well, the yeshiva says. Um, so I would just love your opinion. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Um. <laughs> Well, we're out of time. No. Um, <laughs> um, uh, okay. Okay. I, I yes. I. I uh, by the way, I, I just want to be clear. I, I actually I, I do agree with what they said. It, it, it's not, and I'm no one to disagree with them. But I, I do agree with what they said, it, it, with one slight caveat. But now what? This kid sounds like he's golden. Do why are we we don't we're punishing him right now a little bit to him. What are you giving him though? So, so he can't have the phone, that's fine. S fly him to Florida, I don't know. Do something, get him something, I don't know. I, we, I don't did. Know. we did, we got like the things that he's good at are, are musical instruments. I bought him a piano and a guitar for his yeshiva. I said, this is, I said, even though I, I don't have the means to buy this for you, this is important to you. And this is something ah. that we can give to you. Well, so we you. did, but he's still asking. But I, I, I think that, you know, it will just take him time. I just want to make sure I'm not making the right. So, so when he's still asking, I'm not going to tell you what to do here, but when he's still asking, um, um, you know, because you, you had the decision, right? it was done and, it, and, it, and it's there. And I'm not saying it was wrong. It, 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 great. And, and that's, that's what, when, I, when he's asking, 
don't dismiss it. Be like, I know it's 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 hard. I I get I get that it's really really hard. But Tadek, we love you, and and really, this is just we're doing it because it's what's best for you. That that that's just a fact of the matter. We're doing it because it's what's best for you. If there's any anything that we can get for you, anything we can do to make this easier for you, we're here. We can't do the phone, but if there's anything, anything that we can do, you wanna an mp3 player i don't know what's kosher out there right now but if you want an mp3 player that has all your music on it that has your then do that but reward him for the struggle because the fight is so important the fight is so important and you gotta understand these kids out there rabotai they can go to any walmart any cvs any what he called and for 30 bucks they can have all the access they want this kid is talking to you he's opening up to you it's beautiful that's beautiful i'm jealous i love it i love it i love it i'm sorry i just i only hear the other side i, I didn't know <laughs> sometimes i don't know that these other kids are out there it's amazing i'm so He's happy amazing boy but, really but but celebrate him celebrate him for listening celebrate him for doing it celebrating for fighting and 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 shower him with anything you possibly can anything you can Anything within the within the realms of normalcy, take him out to eat once a week because I didn't, anything. Call him randomly and tell him that. A lot of times we, we don't want to revisit a conversation; we're too afraid. But by the way, the conversation we had yesterday, I keep replaying it in my head, and the advice we got, I keep playing replaying it in my head. I just want you to know, I am so proud of you right now. I am so proud of who you are. I'm so proud of how far you've come in life. I'm, I love you. Just, just tell him that. Just, just to let him know that 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 what he's doing is not easy. He's not broken for wanting this. It's not easy. He is fighting a a yetzer that is that that people triple his age are falling on. People so much more advanced than him can't fight, and he's doing it. He, he should be celebrated tremendously. Anything he needs, anything he needs, he he get for him. If, if he's into music, if he's into sports, if he's into whatever, you know, hook him up, hook him up. We, you know, Robert Berkowitz says this all the time. Um, we have to say no nowadays so often whenever we get the opportunity to say yes and something I need to work on also, whenever we get the opportunity to say yes, say yes. Say yes as often as you can, just say yes. Okay, thank you. I really, really appreciate that. Thank you. The bottom line, call to action, okay? Call to action. We're going to go to closing. I'm going to wrap it up, and then we're gonna, you're going to leave us with the Arab Rosh Hashanah call to action closing. So I'm going to give you a few minutes, okay? Yeah. Okay, first of all, I'm going to for coming on tonight and giving a tremendous share. And really, uh, let's, let's get real. I think this is pretty much what the share is all about, right? So thank you for coming and again for uh, joining us tonight. Again, tonight's share 116. If anybody wants to join you know, the WhatsApp, I can send you every Sunday the flyer. WhatsApp me at 848-525-0066. You can go to menachembernfeld.com, sign up for the emails every week you get the email and you could uh, be in the know. Mm -hmm. um, next Sunday, Mr. Sherman is going to be the share before Shoshana because I said Shoshana is Sunday night the week afterwards. So please join us. We're going to have one of the big dailem over here in Lakewood, one of the big biggest speakers around bottom here in Lakewood, Reb Uri Deutsch. The Rabbi Forest Park. And the topic will be how to prepare yourself for Hashanah, focusing on your relationship with Hashem, how to get real with Hashem. 
to be meaningful, powerful. Please join us. Let people know it's the get to every single person. And um, please be here next week. It's important. Um, again, everything is recorded. It'll be next time on MenachemBarakal.com. If anybody has any questions, you can reach out to CoachMenachemGmail.com. Yossi, if anybody wants to have any questions for you, you want to give out an email or the agenda you want to? Uh, yeah, what is my email? What's your cell phone number, your address, the social security? Yeah, right. Yeah, the no, my emails, my emails best. It's uh oh, it's um uh Ben, yeah, it's still Ben Susan, B-E-N-S-O-U-S-S-A-N at Yeshiva High, Y-E-S-H-I-V-A-H-I-G-H dot org. Okay. If anybody has any questions, reach out to Rabbi Yossi there. If anybody has any questions with Coach Menachem, email him. Again, tonight's share 116. It will be Menachem on the phone as well. We have a phone number, 848-777-GROW. And uh, again, thank you, everybody, for joining. Thank you for the, Lakewood, for the advertising sponsors of Lakewood School, for having Yanif Kazak, Elian Ariel from Five Town Central, and Kyla Kaufman Shul Summer from JCN. Rabbi Yossi, it was a real call to action tonight. Basically, in short, we said tonight is let's get real with our kids. That's basically what you said. Let's have conversations. I Sorry for wrapping up too quick. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Wrapping up, it, 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 let, let's let's get real with our kids, but but through getting real with ourselves, let's just be honest with ourselves. Wait, wait. Uh, and with one very very quick story, I think. Okay, Coach Menachem, wrap up tonight's share, and then let's give it to Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi is going to wrap it up, but Rabbi Yossi, again, the content that we discussed tonight, very very powerful, and I must say it's. It's not easy. And again, what our kids are going through, it's, it's, a, it's a huge struggle. And for the parents, how to deal with it. We have to know this, you know, it's, you know we hear a lot about it and different courses and different ideas. It's, it's, not, it's not easy. It's not, it is a challenge. And uh, whatever we can do, just being able to listen to your kids when they bring up these things and you're, you don't have time, and you're running, and there's so much going on, to be able to take some time and to be there in the, and to sit in the unknown and to listen, it's, it's not easy, and especially not if you're not trained. If you, you know, you have to you will learn on the job. So yes, understand where you are, understand where your kid is, try to be there as much as possible. And I mean, it's a shame, we should have a lot of time to the Shemaya. Tefillah, you know, can't forget about tefillah. Before you go into the room, you meet whoever relationship it is, the spouse or the child. You just talk to Hashem. We just heard tonight how Yossi talks to Hashem. That quiet moment after the phone call, that's when he meets Hashem. We need to find Hashem, say, Hashem, listen, I can't. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I have no clue what to say. <laughs> I said, okay, you've done it till now. I'm putting it back into your hands. And that's how we do it. Thank you again. Y'all see, for Shana, let's go wrap up. Cool yeah. so, so it 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 hundred percent is about everything, and and I, you know this is something I find myself constantly saying. Uh, where what uh, Rav Nachum just said is is so important. I don't mean to say that any of this is easy. It's not. But that's the point. The point is is that this is difficult. But difficult is what we need to be doing. And again, I'm speaking to myself here. We need to be fighting for this. This, When I said it's not natural, no, I think naturally we know what to do for our children. But it's really hard. And it's really difficult. But that's what we need to be doing. 
the call to action is not just to be get, getting real with our kids, it's to be getting real with ourselves, like with who we are. Who am I? What part of me has just been molded by the community around me or by my society or by, and who am I, but, but who am I really? What difference am I gonna make? We've, become, we've been told so deeply to fit in. I don't wanna fit in anymore. We don't need people who fit in anymore. We need people who are real, who represent Tyra and who wanna make a difference. Every single one of us have that power. Every single one of us were born with that, but it's so difficult to tap into. And that's our life goals. When we deal with the Rosh Hashanah, Rabbanu Shalom is gonna, we're, we're gonna be coming up to Hashem, we're gonna be saying, give me another year because I wanna do this, I wanna do this, I wanna do this. Really? What we need to be, how many people are gonna be saying, oh, I'm gonna, because I wanna finish us. <laughs> how many people are gonna be doing chesed? How many people are gonna be, really stop for one minute over Rosh Hashanah and say, Rabbanu Shalom, give me another year because I think this year is the year I'm gonna be me. I'm gonna be who I am supposed to be. Me, not, not in reference or relevance to anyone around me, but me. I can make a difference. I know I can because you put me here. It's one of the basic tenements of Emunah is that you put me here to make a difference. I'm going to start being that difference. I'm going to start being that person who I know I was born to be. I'm going to stop being afraid and I'm going to start standing up to be that difference. We should all have a year that's going to shake Shemaim, it's going to shake the heavens. We should all be able to relate to our children through relating to ourselves, through relating to our spouses, through relating to our families. We should all have an unbelievable, unbelievable year of growth of Simcha and of Nachas. Amen. Beautiful rock star, Okay, see everybody next time, next week, same time, same place. Ravuri Deutsch. Looking forward. Thank you very much, Ravasha. Thank you so much, Coach Menachem. It's always a pleasure. I missed the, I missed the jersey behind you. It's not the same. <laughs> Haven't unpacked yet. Take care. Hi, it's Coach Menachem here. If you enjoyed, please consider supporting us with a small monthly monthly donation to help sustain the future episodes. And it will be greatly appreciated. Thank you in advance.